Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Another win for a player, this time over a general manager, and the coach gives in. Antonio Brown, the example of entitlement, maybe in our sports world these days. He's going to play on Monday night. Unbelievable. Didn't sound like it for a long time, but he's going to play. I'm uh, not sure how uh, many people feel about that. I'm not sure Mike Mayock really is excited about that. But at the end of the day, it's about wins and losses. It might even change my pick of that game, Denver okay. and Oakland, even though it's not on our celebrity pick six segment or six pack. I'm going to say pick six a lot, but I even though it's that. celebrity six pack of picks, yes, yes, is really what I got to say. I feel like it- Either way, you're a winner, though, right? Well, either way, either until we get, catchy. like, a beverage sponsor. Exactly. And then I better nail the six-pack exactly. part. So are, are we going towards more like the beer sponsor or, like, some kind of soda sponsor? Uh, Probably the beer sponsor, I'm for right? a beer sponsor. No one, no one the six-pack of soda the happy hour horn. We've got the hard stuff. Yeah. Now we need we're, a little uh, uh, six-pack of something. So uh, either Wait way, we're starting it. we got our celebrity all picked out. <laughs> Uh, that's coming up at 4.30. Excited about that. I did log into my fantasy football team. Nice. So you, you ended up getting that done now. I did. So you're good to go. I'm good to go. What I was have a issue? trade on the table. To me or who? Don't Didn't you make a trade with me? No. Proposal? No. Oh, somebody did. <laughs> I thought you said you had Tom Brady as your quarterback. No, so it turns out I had him in the queue, and I didn't get him. Uh-uh. Somebody snagged him before me, right. so unfortunately, I don't have Tom Brady. So here we are a day later, and we still can't figure out what really, the hell is really going on can. with this fantasy football and league. Everyone seems to be making trades the very first week of fantasy football, which is super rare, but I, don't get that. I got offered a trade as well Did for he? Travis Kelsey. What I'm saying is, listen, I didn't, even, nope. I didn't even draft my team, Yeah, and I'm not making trades. I want to no. see how good they are. Exactly. Did you get off to a good one. start? With Mr. Jones last night. No, what a football didn't. game that was. Well, and he was hurt as well. He got hurt a little bit during the yeah, middle of the game. You said Sorry for jinxing, stay healthy. Sorry for jinxing that for yeah, you. Yeah, that's you, Wisconsin guy. Well, it, it's his tale as old as time. Can Aaron Jones stay healthy for the entire season? Sorry. Speaking of health, what the heck? I mean, the Jaguars were pretty healthy going into this game. you got to remember, Cam Robinson had played six snaps, but now it's not even that knee. Now it's the other knee that kind of gave out on him, his right knee, as he was in a pass set. And all of a sudden, you look up, and the Jaguars thought they were healthy with their front top five offensive linemen. Immediately in the first snap hits of 2019, they'll technically be on their third left tackle because Cedric Obwehi is also banged up. So it looks like Will Richardson will have to play the left tackle spot for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They've been impressed with Will Richardson, but more as a right guard, not necessarily as a right tackle or left tackle. They purposely moved him in. Well, now he's going to play the tackle spot, the swing tackle. One of the reasons A.J. Can won the job yeah. is because Obwehi is not healthy. So they needed a guy like Richardson to be able to be versatile for them if needed. And here we are, snap number one of the 2019 season and the third left tackle gets to protect Nick Foles. If I had a panic button right now, Brent, I would probably push it a little bit. Already? Already. Because you have a guy in Will Richardson who, from my recollection, has not played in an NFL game yet, correct? I think he did play last year. Are you sure? I could have swore I was researching it. Well, regardless. Maybe he never did play last year. I don't think he played last year. 
Uh, the, the, this, this, at least according to rlads.com, which keeps track of like, the uh, you're players. You're probably stats. right. Okay. Uh, you know, I just figured he might have because he had 16 guys by last year on Makes the offensive sense. line. Makes sense. But I think you're right. I, th- I don't think he did play. So this guy has zero game experience for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, he's playing preseason, preseason yes, star. but okay. Well, Brent, there's a difference between the preseason and the regular season. Let's hope not for Josh Allen. In case you didn't know that by now. But uh, so we have that. We have a guy who's been taking most of his reps this year at guard. You have a guy who has never played left tackle since high school, who spent his entire college career playing the right side of the line. And now you're going to expect this dude to come in from playing the guard spot Move him over to the bookend left tackle against the Kansas City Chiefs, against Chris Jones, against Frank Clark, and expect them to ship him out there with about, I don't know, two days, three days notice. Really probably zero time to work on his pass sets at left tackle. I'm just saying, I'd probably be a little nervous. Yeah, a little nervous. And therefore, what did I tell you yesterday? What happened last year in like the first or second series of the game for the Jaguars? For some reason, they did not chip. They did not help with the tight end running back situation against Kansas City. Now, I get that Kansas City's in a different defense now, right? They have mm-hmm. a different scheme. They have some new players. They have a new defensive coordinator. I don't think that changes this scenario. Don't they have to help Will Richardson out on that side, the blind side of Nick Foles, to give him a little more time? I get Nick Foles gets rid of the football. We've known that for a long time. That's a big uh, – uh, it, it's a big uh, feather in the cap of Nick Foles' game that he gets rid of it. Like within two seconds. And that will help the offensive line, even if they are having some troubles. But you also want to be able to threaten down the field. And to threaten down the field, you need a little more time. Maybe two and a half to three seconds. Maybe even a shade more at times. Do they help out? Is that going to be a game plan? Do you have to do that with some of your backs and tight ends? You absolutely have to. Listen, I don't know what what Richardson's going to look like at left tackle. I have no idea. I don't think anybody does, obviously. I don't think the coaching staff even knows. I'm just going by what I know, Brent, and this is a guy who hasn't played the left tackle spot since he's been in high school. So that should make somebody nervous. Now, what can you do? Yes, you have to chip with the running backs. You have to chip with the tight ends. You have to do everything in your power to help Will Richardson out. Because if I'm Andy Reid and if I'm the, you know, if if I'm, uh, I think it's, Bagnola is the defensive it coordinator, is. uh, Kansas City. Former Giants. Yeah. Guy. If I'm seeing this Rams. news right now and I'm seeing Cam Robinson's out for this game, I'm by all means sending all my pressures to that left side. You'd be dumb not to because that right now is going to be a liability until Will Richardson proves that it's not. Listen. There's one thing that you want the sunshine and rainbows part of this. Oh, I, I love to hear some sunshine and rainbows Is about sunshine this. Sunshine out. I've seen a lot of rainbows in the last few days. Here's the sunshine and rainbows there's, part. There's, it's humid out there. If nothing else. Didn't we have a little bit of blind faith in Cam Robinson to begin with? And let me let me go back to this. His rookie year, by all accounts, was a very mixed bag. You know, Jaguars had a good season, so therefore everybody played better than they did, even if they didn't. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you play well and you win. Well, you get like this extra credit for playing well. You get the benefit of the doubt. And I do think there was a lot of talk that Cam Robinson was more of a 50-50 guy in that rookie year. It wasn't like, hey, this guy was unbelievable. He's headed to Pro Bowls. And there were a lot of question marks going into last year even about Cam Robinson. Well, then he misses the entire season because of the injury, or most of the season, because of the injury. And so now he was coming back this year. And we were relying in a blind faith kind of way, and I say we from the outside, that this guy could get away with six snaps in the preseason, about two and a half weeks of real practice, Mm -hmm. and be ready for a football game in the NFL in week number one. And to boot, 
we're not even sure how good he is to begin with. So now that's not like this glowing recommendation for Cam Robinson. But what I'm trying to say is you did not go from Tony Vaselli to your third left tackle all of a sudden. You, the gap between Cam Robinson to Cedric Abwehi to Will Richardson, I don't know how far it is. It might not be that far. Again, that's not like this ringing endorsement. Oh, great, the Jags have three great left tackles. No, really, they might have three very average left tackles at best. But the gap might not be that different between one, two, and three. Do you know the difference between Cam Robinson and Will Richardson? Cam Robinson played left tackle at Alabama for three years. Fair enough. Will Richardson didn't play any time at left tackle at North Carolina State. Yeah. And that's why I'm nervous, Brent, because there is a difference, um, especially if you don't practice the other side. You know, the, the footwork's the complete opposite. Take, for example, last night, if you're watching the Packer-Bears game, uh, they talked about David Bakhtari a little bit. And this is a guy who was an all-pro last year. Probably, quote-unquote, first-team All-Pro, the best left tackle in the game uh, last year. And they kind of broke down his pass set a little bit. You know, he has one of the best pass sets in the game. Now, granted, he had two holds last night. wasn't his best game, but still kind of showcased against Cleo Mack. It took a couple years for Bakhtari to get his good pass set down. He didn't just come into the NFL from University of Colorado, play left tackle, and said, yeah, I'm, I'm a pro bowler now. No, it took him time. It took him reps to get those steps down. And I'm just saying to go from the right side to the left side, and especially that they've had Will Richardson focus on that guard spot now where you go to tackle and the, the footwork is completely different. I'm just saying, I I don't know how much optimism I have, Brent. You know, and and I don't mean to bring in the rain clouds on your sunshine here, but we have to ask the question: Can he handle the spot, having never played it since high school? I mean, that, that's yeah. a legitimate question. Well, not only that, this is also a guy that hasn't been very healthy. Yeah. In his short career in the NFL, what do they do if he goes down? Oh, no idea. I mean, here we are already in a similar yeah. situation as last year. So I think it is alarming to a degree uh, to to hear this and get this. Uh, and we'll see what it means. And now, what does it mean? I mean, what we got from Doug Marone, you'll hear from him a little bit later, is is, is that it gave out during a pass set. Well, what does that mean? I well, mean, how like how does how's the right knee? This, this might not be like a little sw- yeah. uh, like a swollen knee where Jawan Taylor banged it on the ground. Remember, and he missed some time. Like that wasn't really an injury. That was like, hey, we're going to be real cautious with this. This might be an injury to Cam Robinson for a second straight year, and you might have to live with what you got at the left tackle spot. We have to ask yourself this question, too, as well. You remember in training camp when Cam Robinson wasn't getting any reps and all of a sudden Doug Marone called them out and saying either we're going to roll with them or he's not yeah. going to be playing? He come back well, all of a sudden Cam Robinson came back like the very next day. You, have to, you usually have to throw the question out there. Did Cam Robinson come back too early and did they mismanage him with that injury? You have to ask the question. What else are the Jaguars talking about the last couple of days? Uh, Really, they didn't talk that much this week until late last night and then a little bit today, and that's it. We've got a game 48 hours away, less than that now, here in Jacksonville, and it does not take away the excitement for that. I don't care. Nothing's going to take away the excitement for that. Jags and Chiefs are less than 48 hours away, 1 o'clock Sunday on CBS 47, and we're going to talk all about it today. Let's get into it. Coming up next, break down this game a little bit more. Some of the other things that might concern you, captains are announced do you like their picks does it matter that much oh we're going deep into it on espn 690 plus some antonio brown talk on the way it felt like we were getting pretty good pressure i thought the coverage was on point and you know that's a that's a great credit not only to the to those players but our coaching staff as well i thought mike Pettin and and, the, and our staff on defense to design a great game plan and, and certainly we're able to get some free runners tonight 
Well, that's LaFleur and Green Bay getting away with a win last night. That thing was ugly, huh? I mean, talk about a preseason-looking game. Everybody likes offense, wants offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know Chicago's defense is good. Yeah, okay, hat tip to Green Bay. Their defense was a little bit better. That was really about Mitchell Trubisky looking awful at quarterback. And Chicago, I'm telling you, man, they are in their head when it comes to the kicking game. They are in their own head. They are making this story just as much as the Chicago fans and media and everybody else. The they fans are feeding out. this story. Say what? The fans freaked out when the first field goal went in, right? Yeah, they freaked oh, out. Yeah. Uh, even, you know, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth made it a big deal, just like they had made everything a big deal all camp. Not Michaels and Collinsworth. I'm talking Chicago. Mm-hmm. And then he kicks the kick out of bounds. And then for a 50-yard attempt, they don't try it. They go for it on, like, fourth and ten instead. Well, that could have made it a 7-6 game. That kind of changes your way of thinking. Yeah. They're in their own head when it comes to the kicker. I've never really seen anything like that carry over from one season to the next. I get there are things that carry over. There are big storylines. But I've never really – I don't remember. Do you remember something that stood out? Obviously, the Saints' call has stood out and really been an umbrella over the league. It changed the pass interference play this year. But yeah. I'm talking about a team that, I mean, they have, if you go back and watch what Chicago's done with this kicker situation, from getting rid of Parkey to who they've brought in, yeah. to the amount of headlines it's made at the tr- the competition, and then when Pinheiro was named the starter and the guy, and now last night, it, it just, it's a topic that is so big, and I get the double doink. But as a team, I don't think you can embrace that topic like they're embracing the topic. It would be like the Red Sox for the last for 20 years in between Bill Buckner and winning the World Series and bringing up Bill Buckner in every ground ball. I mean, yeah. it, it would be like the Cubs bringing up the Billy Goat. See, the Cubs don't bring up the Billy Goat. Everybody else brings up the Billy Goat. Mm-hmm. I think this is a problem that's going to linger in Chicago all year. I really do. It yeah. sounds stupid, but they're yeah. the ones that have made it sound stupid. I guess. I mean, I, I don't blame them for going for it on fourth down, uh, not, not kicking the field goal, especially since Aaron Rodgers looked like he was starting to, you know, get in the flow a little bit with that offense. Now, granted, they only scored 10 points. And if you like were to, four minutes to go well, in the third, man. But if you were to tell me that Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers only scored 10 points and that the Bears lost, I would be in in complete shock. Now, yeah, I mean, I I guess if you want to say that the kicker is the issue and um, it's kind of jinxing the whole team, I get that. But Mitchell Trubisky's play is what was really alarming to me last night. Um, That guy... uh, just wasn't making the throws. You know, not Allen Robinson showed up a lot. Shout out to Allen Robinson, former Jacksonville Jaguar. And I'm sure a lot of Jaguars fans out there were watching that game just wishing uh, that they saw Allen Robinson. Um, you know, things could be different, whatever. I mean, I, I understand that aspect of it. But Mitchell Trubisky did not look good. I thought the Bears' defense looked solid again. The Packers' defense looked solid. But, yeah, as far as those offenses are concerned, uh, they haven't really skipped the beat, I guess, from, from the Super Bowl when it was, when it was, uh, you know, the, the Rams and the Patriots. It's still been a defensive oriented league so far. And obviously that's what fans hate. So, there's, sorry to uh, hear it. yeah, there's not a really a ton to break down, in my opinion, in that game. I, it was kind of a snoozer. I, I mean, yeah, football was back, but it I was mean, a snoozer. Yeah, I just thought Green Bay's defense was the, the most surprising thing. Uh, I don't think anybody expected Green Bay's defense to be that legit. Um, and it kind of, it kind of goes to show what they did this offseason. You know, I mean, usually with, with Green Bay's defense, they would go sign these guys that are older, like, like a Julius Peppers, right? That they're kind of on the back nine of their career. Well, they made it a habit of kind of signing these high price free agents this past 
season. You know, they got Amos, who got the big play, who came from Chicago. Uh, they got Zadarius Smith uh, from the Ravens. Kind of got an unheard of guy, but was really solid with the Ravens defense. He's coming into his prime. And Preston Smith as well from the Redskins. So from that aspect, I think Green Bay has done a great job of revamping that defense because I'll be honest with you. When I saw their defense, I wasn't like, ah, oh. you know, I wasn't really that worried about it. But they they could be a threat this entire year, I feel like. The one thing is watching Chicago, you're not going to get this out of Green Bay. They'll figure it out eventually, and, mm-hmm. and Chicago's defense is really good. So the one thing watching Chicago, though, is you kind of it's, – it's the, it's the uh-oh part of could that be the Jaguars? Yeah. Could that be, a, again, a team that's so good on defense – and yet can't figure it out on offense, especially early in the season. I mean, would you be shocked if you saw that kind of performance on Sunday? I guess to a degree I would because you're playing Kansas City and their defense and even all the upgrades they've made, I'd be surprised. You know, as good as Leonard Fournette's looked, Foles with his experience, I'd be surprised. See, I'm not a big Mitchell Trubisky fan to begin with, so I don't have a ton of confidence in the guy. But uh, And also I think what else it red flagged around the league is, uh-oh. You got, you got, don't you think every coach was like – uh, maybe we should have played our guys a little bit more. You know? I, I mean, didn't yeah. it look like they were rusty? If Aaron Rodgers no, looks they, rusty, yeah, doesn't well, it all look rusty? True, yeah. But once again, I mean, I don't know if it's the fact that you're going against two, oh, one really elite defense and one defense that seemed to be kind of coming on a lot, or if it's the fact that, you know, they didn't play any preseason. Uh, I wouldn't put much stake into that just because if you've watched the Super Bowl, you kind of saw kind of the same thing going on. And yeah. guess what? They had whatever, they had 16 games to play in the playoffs to get that right, and it was still a low-scoring game. So I'm not sure how I feel about that whole narrative. But if you're the Chicago Bears and if you're their front office and if you're Mitchell Trubisky, there's a lot of pressure on you right now. Mm Because think about it. They traded up to get Trubisky. They traded ahead of Patrick Mahomes to get Trubisky. They traded ahead of Deshaun Watson to get Mitchell Trubisky. So they put all their chips in that basket right now. And needless to say, I don't think it's worked out so far. Now, there's he has plenty of time left. But I'm just saying from what I've seen so far, yeesh. Yeah, I'd yeah. be a little nervous about yeah. a Chicago fan. Uh, yeah. Real quick, uh, around the NFL thought before we get into more of the Jags, but Antonio Brown. How much of this is Mike Mayock's fault? Now, as this played out, Mike Mayock brought him in, along with John Gruden, by the way. This is John Gruden and Mike Mayock, because Mike Mayock's not calling all the shots. This isn't like Tom Coughlin. If this was a Tom Coughlin situation, I wouldn't put any of it on probably Doug Marone or Dave Caldwell. I would say, this is Tom Coughlin. He allowed this to happen. That's not the case. Uh, I think in Oakland, John Gruden's got a 10-year deal. Mm-hmm. John Gruden's the king there. Yeah. Now, he might be the head coach and not the GM, but he's the king there. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's both of these guys. But how bad does Mayock look? Because he not only signs off on it and says it's okay, but now it looks like they're about to suspend. He comes out in front of microphones. He has a statement, which was silly. He should have just put it on a piece of paper. And all these reports about how close they are to suspending him. They asked the guy not to come to the facility. And now all of a sudden... I think this was all Drew Rosenhaus, by the way. Mm-hmm. I think this was Rosenhaus that said to Antonio Brown, listen, dude, I support you all the time, but you're about to lose 30 million bucks. You're like, I think this was Rosenhaus that made Antonio Brown do all these things, go and talk in front of his teammates, go apologize in front of the media and say and do all the right things, almost beg his way back to, first of all, not be suspended. Secondly, not trigger a potential default in $30 million if that was about to happen or could have happened. And so here we are. But in all of it, Mike Mayock looks like who's running the show. Yeah. So 
with Antonio Brown, listen, there's been multiple sources that have come out and said that he stood in front of his team, apologized with the captains right by him. I guess it was a very emotional scene. I wasn't there. I can't really comment on that. I'm just going by what I read. Okay, cool. So he apologized. There's also some there's some stuff out there that says that you know Antonio Brown kind of had some foul language, some derogatory language that was geared towards Mayock, and they're kind of falling out or whatever like that. And that's never okay, you know. I mean, I'm not going to defend that kind of language, not going to defend that kind of behavior. But once again, and I talked about this yesterday, Brent, when Antonio Brown was looking for a new team, what was the first thing that he really said? If a team brings me on, they're going to play by my rules. Well, Antonio Brown went up to the GM. Call them a derogatory term, uh, caused a giant distraction, and now he's playing this, well, Monday, Monday night. That, by all accounts, is the team playing by Antonio Brown's rules. Okay, now, I'm not sure how the locker room feels about him. I guess there was some solidarity when he was apologizing and everything like that. But guess what? This is still a distraction. This is a distraction for a new GM. This is a distraction for a, a you know a second-year NFL head coach and John Gruden in the, with the Oakland Raiders. Uh, and this is a distraction for a, a team, I think, in the NFL roster right now who I think has the most rookies on it. Okay, there's a lot of distractions going on. Now, yeah, sure, Antonio Brown can go out Monday night, Brandon, catch two touchdowns, and everything's going to be hunky-dory, and the Raiders will be back. So be it. But you have to ask yourself the long term. Is this going to keep on piling on and piling on and piling on? Because we're through the preseason right now, and look at how much he's done. Who's to say this is going to continue and snowball and get worse before it gets better? I don't think there's anything about getting better. Yeah. The only thing that you can get better is on Sundays, and in this case, Monday night. Yeah. That's the only way it gets better is that he produces, and you say the headache was worth it because he's producing us, producing and helping us win games. By the way, that's the other part of it. Antonio Brown can go put up 1,000 yards and 15 touchdowns, but if they don't win football games, then it's still not worth it. Yeah. He can go do that for any team. I don't want him doing it for my team unless he's going to win. Listen, I advocated for that guy coming here because you need playmakers on your football team. Mm-hmm. But, again, I only want a playmaker – if he's going to be a difference maker. Yeah. And I'm not sure that's going to be the case. Are they good enough in Oakland for him, that one guy, to put up with all these headaches mm-hmm. and for him to be the difference maker in terms of winning football games, especially in that division where they clearly are the fourth team in that division? And listen, I didn't come along with them on the helmet thing. I thought the helmet thing was ludicrous in the first place. I thought, you know, go get a new helmet and just play. I mean, Tom Brady had to do it. Tom Brady came out and said that he had to adjust to a new helmet. If Tom Brady's adjusting to it, I think anybody has to adjust to it. If Tom Brady's not winning the battle for the new, or, you know, for keeping his old helmet, no one's going to win that battle. So I didn't really come with, you know, AB on that whole thing. I can't come with him now when he posted pictures of his fines and then, you know, kind of his displeasure of receiving those fines when he posted on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram and everything like that and then i can't come with them either when you go to the gm and just start chewing them out that that's your boss man like it or not i understand you're a very high-paid individual and you're a very talented individual but there is still a chain of command okay and i always talk about brent like you know i i, I talk about like the dictatorship sometimes in the nfl where the coaches have to relate to the players front office has to relate to the players yeah so be it but guess what there is still a chain of command and you cannot be a player like antonio brown and try to disrupt that chain of command without consequences well my issue now is he disrupted the chain of command you, you went after the, the head honcho, the top boss, the GM, and I get it, Gruden's a big deal too, but May- Mayock's still the GM. He's still the general manager. And you go after him, you say what you got to say, and now the GM comes back and just says, yeah, he's, he's going to play on Monday, it's all good. 
Not a good message to your team. It's a bad I don't look. Care, I don't care how talented he is. Now I listen, really don't. I don't know what it has as a trickle effect to the team, but they better really be careful anytime they find a player in Oakland. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And and I think there's the reason why I don't know what kind of trick I don't think everybody's going to act out like this because nobody does this. Antonio Brown's on an island. Antonio Brown is Antonio Brown and there's not many players like him. Yeah. You know, I asked the question yesterday, we got some answers on Twitter. They said like, remember Albert Bell, Joey Bell uh, for the yeah, Indians? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that was a good co- comparison. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen the receivers. Chad Johnson, Ocho Seco, mm-hmm. Terrell Owens kind of have this kind of element, this soap opera, mm-hmm. but I don't even know if it felt I guess Terrell Owens did feel a little bit kind of crazy at times. The whole push-ups in the driveway, working out in the driveway. Sure. It, it kind of did feel like, is this is this but, guy okay? Because that's what people are asking about Antonio Brown. They're asking, they is this guy okay? Like, there are yeah. fellow players on Twitter yeah. and social media saying, I'm concerned that he's not okay. Yeah. That's an unusual and, stance to take. But you got to remember, when Terrell Owens is doing all his stuff in the driveway, I think he was a free agent at the time. He, he wasn't yeah, really distracting yeah. his teammates. When, when Chad Johnson, like, I think Chad that was Johnson. more Jerry Maguire, show me the money. Yeah, like, I think Ocho Cinco was more like, you know, like he's making these bold predictions before the games. He was doing like these crazy end zone celebrations. But once again, I think it was more att- brought attention to himself. Like yeah. No one was going to ask some of his teammates after the game, hey, what would you think about Chad Johnson's celebration? You know, But I guarantee when you're getting ready to play the, the Broncos here in Monday Night Football, everyone's going to be asking about Antonio Brown. Yeah. And that's, in how, that's, that's not how it should be. Yeah. Now, listen, he just said in an interview with ESPN, I think it was ESPN, he just said uh, that it was way blown out of proportion with him and Mike Mayock. and. You know, and this is the other part of this. If this is going to play out publicly, and there are a lot of things that happen in locker rooms, and you know this better than anybody, that don't get put out in public. Yeah. But like I said yesterday, you talk about the Giants, the Cowboys, the Raiders, teams like that. There are th- they are on public display all the time. It's almost like they welcome the distractions mm-hmm. and they don't mind them playing out. But if this is going to play out, in my opinion, you better be as transparent as possible about this stuff. If you're going to tell a guy not to come to the facility, you might as well tell everybody why you told him not to come to the facility. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they make the mistake. So now, Antonio, now what is it? Is it the reports that came out where he threatened Mike Mayock and this almost came to fisticuffs and all this stuff was said, the derogatory t- terms? Or is it two days later what Antonio Brown's saying now that he's going to play on Monday that it was blown out of proportion? I didn't call him this. Which one is it? Yeah. So why carry it on? Let's just say what it was. Exactly. And I think management is the best to do that. The player's not going to do that. Yeah. I mean, if you're Mike Mayock, don't hold the press conference. Get every like get every reporter there and say, you know what? We have no comment yeah, on right now. Antonio Brown's worth yeah. of a press conference. Because guess what? You're inviting more speculation you're you're inviting people like us brent to speculate and go on our radio shows and be like well we didn't really get much information here's what's probably happening or here's what could happen it's just it's craziness like that so yeah obviously this is antonio brown's fault and this falls directly on him but also mayock you know in that front office you have to do a better job as well like if you sit there for 14 seconds say we're not going to discuss it we keep it in house you're going to get more attention that way by just saying exactly what happened can you imagine if this was done at like a collegiate level can you imagine it's like what Dan Mullen yeah. or a Kirby Smart or a Nick Saban, if they if they did this stuff? I mean, they always get scrutinized for yeah. how they – remember the Saban thing we just had on a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago about second chances. Mm-hmm. They get criticized for lack of punishment a lot, mm-hmm. depending on what a person did. This kind of – see, it doesn't happen in college because there's yeah. almost kind of a di- – there's a separation, right? There's a dictator and or the coach has a lot of respect yeah. or a fear factor to him. Yeah. That's not really evident at the NFL level. Maybe there is with Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. It certainly isn't, doesn't seem to be there with John Gruden, yeah. not with this guy. But yeah. even Mike Tomlin, he's a player's coach guy. Antonio Brown took advantage of that. 
weird situation. We'll see how it plays. By the way, we'll be the good thing is we don't have to talk about it for the next couple of days. But good I guarantee man. you we're talking about it on Monday. I guarantee, I guarantee you this twist Monday. again. And I, I, I still don't understand, Brent. I've said it many times. Like, Antonio Brown's won. You know, like, he, he got a new deal. He, he held out. He won. And now you're acting like this. I just... Listen, I have the players back all the time, but I cannot come with them on this one. Jags injury report is out. Cam Robinson is not definitely out, but a couple guys are. I'll give it to you next on ESPN 690. Um, you know, they're going to they're gonna mix it up with coverages. Um, they're not going to just line up and, you know, just, they're going to go one high or whatever. They're going to try to mix it up. They're going to blitz some. They'll have some game plan stuff for us. Um, played against this coordinator a couple years ago when he was in the Giants or with the New York Giants. So I know he knows me, and obviously Coach Reed knows me, and they'll they'll have something dialed up for us. But you know we're gonna we're gonna see what happens. We're gonna adapt. We're gonna you know play the play, and you know ultimately you know trust each other as you know teammates and players, and go out there, and we look forward to playing them. That's Nick Foles. Here we go. The Nick Foles era almost underway in Jacksonville. What kind of difference will Nick Foles make? There obviously is familiarity. Well, Nick Foles has been playing in the NFL for a bit now. So there's familiarity all across the league, I think. And, and you're going to run into that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Kansas City has a little more connection-based things than, than maybe other teams will. So that doesn't surprise me. And that always also works in Nick Foles' favor. Because I think he has some experience and he's seen a lot of things. He's a smart guy. And uh, he'll probably use that to his advantage. This is a question I don't think we've asked probably enough. Because there's been so much Nick Foles conversation in the offseason. Sure. There's been very little Nick Foles conversation here in the last month. Why? Well, because he played four drives in the preseason. You know, yeah, he had a nice preseason on the practice field. But you know how many guys probably for Green Bay and Chicago had a nice preseason on the practice field? <laughs> and, and last night did not. <laughs> so I, I, I don't think we're going to that bucket to steal a lot of good things on the Nick Foles front. Yeah. So I ask the question simply is, what kind of difference does he make on Sunday, in this game, not this year, in this game, first game, new offense, coach flip, his scheme, obviously a situation now at left tackle that you didn't prepare for, and a young group of wide receivers that have a lot to prove, including a guy in the backfield that has a lot to prove. What should we expect and how much of a difference does he make? So you're saying a guys that have a lot to prove, right? I call those guys who are hungry and want to make a name for themselves, especially Fournette, okay? But with Nick Foles, listen, I know that the narrative is going to be played, well, he didn't play a lot in the preseason, so you're going to expect him to come out like Aaron Rodgers did, like Mitchell Trubisky did. Nick Foles isn't playing the Bears or the Packers on Sunday, okay? He's playing the Kansas City Chiefs, and he's playing their defense. Now, the Kansas City Chiefs defense, Brent, I think they are vulnerable. I think they have a pretty solid defensive line, especially now with a – We'll see what happens with Cam Robinson, but if he's replaced, obviously they're going to be, uh, that could be a liability on the left side of the line. But all things considered, they have the secondary to be beat. They have a brand new, um, you know, core of linebackers that can be passed against or you can run the ball against them. So from an offensive standpoint for the Jacksonville Jaguars, I feel like you have to like your chances at least going into this game, especially with what we've seen from D.D. Westbrook. And, and once again, this is more of training camp than it is in, in the preseason, but what we've seen by with D.D. Westbrook, I think what we've seen with Chris Conley where he can run that deep ball, and we'll see with D.J. Chark. I think D.J. Chark's kind of the, he's kind of the X-factor slash outlier slash question mark right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think... They make Keelan Cole a little bit. I think Keelan they have Cole the ability well. to make a play, but I don't yeah. know if I trust them to make a play. And listen, and if you want to come out and say who 
who's looked the most impressive really in training camp and OTAs, I would argue DJ Chark. You know, from 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 the team periods that I've watched, he was the guy that was getting all the red zone uh, targets. He was the guy making all the highlight catches. Now, if you go to the preseason, that wasn't really there that much. Okay, so if he rolls out, which I assume he's going to be rolling out uh, this Sunday, you know, he could be the X factor. But I think with D.D. Westbrook and Chris Conley, once again, a storyline, a narrative, I think – Foles could get it rolling. I think you're going to see a new offense with new nuances, with new motions, and it's going to be intriguing to say the least. He likes to push the ball down the field, but does he have enough time to push the ball down the field? Cam Robinson is doubtful for this football game. By all accounts, he's not going to play in this game. No. Cedric Abuehi is out with a hamstring injury. That's the backup left tackle. He was the swing tackle, not playing. So, therefore, it's likely Will Richardson that will play at left tackle if you're just joining us. That's the news out of Jags headquarters today. Also, Josh Oliver, a toy in John D. Filippo's system that I was so intrigued to see. Mm-hmm. And we will get that at some point but it's not going to be in week one who knows if it will be in week two they're obviously not rushing the rookie back but there's a lot of question marks at tight end and how DeFilippo will use the tight ends and how Foles will become friendly with the tight ends in a football game is really something fascinating to watch because we haven't seen a lot of it here in Jacksonville in a long time. By the way, Marcel Darius, that elbow is still a problem. He's questionable for the football game. Now, questionable usually means a guy will give it a go, but yeah. we'll see what happens on Sunday. I don't want to say that. Uh, you never know. He's listed as questionable. That's the latest. Before we head to break and, and, and talk about Swaim. Swaim is going to be playing? Just to let Swaim's not know. on their injury report. Okay, so good. So that's you good. have one tight end. Yeah, okay. Uh, quick thought. We'll, and we'll talk more about the offense. Okay. But because I brought up Foles, what does this look like? Is it quick game? Is it play the middle of the field and don't be afraid to? Is it take shots even though we might not have a left tackle? Is it feed Fournette? I mean, how, I mean, I, I just gave. I know you could call it all. You get sixty sure. something plays, you might see it all. Yeah. But I'm just in your yep. mind as you go into that game Sunday at one o'clock. What do you kind of envision and picture this offense to kind of look like? Yeah. From that standpoint. So to go off John D. Filippo's track record, and I'm gonna throw the Minnesota year out of here because he he got fired and it's not. He did, but Kirk Cousins not, had four thousand yards and he threw a bunch of touchdowns well, and he threw seventy percent of completion. But the rate. only reason why John D. Filippo got fired from Minnesota was because he wasn't running the ball enough with Dalvin Cook. They felt like they could run the ball a little more and slow the game I down. I hope they don't bit. run it with Dalvin Cook again because your fantasy team will now suffer. <laughs> That's a whole other ball game. Man. We'll get to that later. <laughs> but if I'm looking at the John D. Filippo offense, what he liked to do in Philly is number one, he threw to his tight ends. Well, I look at this roster right now, and with Jeff Swim, I'm not that confident in throwing the tight ends. So let's go Why and play I the like tight O'Shaughnessy, ends. Though. You like O'Shaughnessy? I, I feel like he might be able to, I don't know. I was a little yeah. blind faith in O'Shaughnessy, but go ahead. Okay, so if it's me, I'm kind of taking the tight ends off the table. Yeah, maybe they can have a couple catches here or there, a couple targets, but you're not going to win the game with them, right? So the next thing I'm going to go to is the running back then. you know. And we saw Fournette get a lot more targets this year, even in the short preseason time that he he played. He was catching the ball a lot yeah. more. I think that's where you're going to target a lot of a, a lot of your passes and a lot of your short game because you can set it up, you can gain confidence, and it's an easy pass to make. Now, obviously, you're going to start running the ball too as well because we've heard every single coach say it on the Jacksonville Jaguars. They want to run the football with Leonard Fournette, and I think if you could, if you're able to run the football with Leonard Fournette, and let's go back last year, Brent. I get it. It's a new Chiefs defense, but last year T.J. Yeldon was averaging five something yards a carry. And he only had 10 attempts. They stopped going to TJ Yeldon. I get it. He's, he's not a big bruiser back, but anytime you can run the ball against the Kansas City Chiefs, you have to, because what does that do? It takes the Chiefs offense off the field. And that's what you got to do against a high powered Mahomes and you read that offense. So if 
the Jacksonville Jaguars, I'm focusing on the short pass game, whether it's with the, the slot receiver or whether it's with the running back, and then I'm also running the ball. And if you want to take a deep shot, take a deep shot. I'm all for it. Well, you better loosen but, it up a little bit. you got to try. No, I don't care if you hit it. You better try. Take a deep shot. You better try. But let's use the play action off that. You know, Let's start running the ball a little bit first, use that play action, confuse the defense a little bit, and then take your deep shot. They're probably not talked about enough that Leonard Fournette wasn't in this football game a year ago. He wasn't. Right? It was yeah. Yeldon that was the back. I want to go. And they over, still had success running the ball. Over <laughs> under on Leonard Fournette touches. I'm talking carries and receptions. I'm going to ask you that a little bit later on. We won't give the answer right now. Uh, coming up next, uh, talk a little high school football uh, for a moment because we've got our game of the week. It's not tonight. Everything has been shifted around, but a big one. Bartram Trail and Creekside is on for tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. Plus, there are some other games in the area. We'll update you on uh, what's to come. Quick conversation with our analyst for the game of the week, Coach Sullivan, on the way on ESPN 690. Ian Miller, and he just gets stiff-armed down, and Wilcox around the outside and into the end zone. What a run for Dragani Wilcox as he scores a touchdown with six minutes to go in the third quarter and makes it a 20 to nothing game for the Uli Hornets. Stuart Weber on the call last week. Uli and Fernandina Beach in our game of the week, week number two. Well, tonight, we don't have a game of the week. We moved it to some Saturday night football instead. It's Bartram Trail and Creekside. And, of course, the entire schedule really got shifted around because of Hurricane Dorian and the lack of school this week. Really not the weather as much as the lack of school. They couldn't practice. Today is really the only practice day in the area other than some private schools like Bowles and Trinity Christian. They will play tonight. We'll have cameras at those games. In fact, Yuli and Fernandina Beach also have games tonight at home and uh, not playing each other, but separate games, and they are playing as well. So very few games in the area. We will not have a Friday night blitz because of that. We will have highlights of those tonight, but uh, we'll extend our Friday night blitz on CBS 47 and Fox 30 a week deeper into the playoffs uh, to make up for this week instead. Uh, But tomorrow, myself and Kevin Sullivan, the Hall of Fame coach, will be on the call for Bartram Trail and Creekside. Big one down in St. John's County, and right now Kevin Sullivan joins us. Before we get to the high school matchup, all right, Coach, give us your thoughts on the Jags. I know you you listen and talk all sports. What do you think about Sunday's matchup? You going to homer up, or are you afraid of this one? No, not afraid of this one. I like the early matchup uh, with them getting the cheese early. You know, play the good people early, sort of see where you're at. Um, I think defensively our guys are going to do what they do. And uh, it's a big challenge, but I think they're going to be real fired up about it. I'm hopefully that 100-plus heat uh, index holds up out there, too, uh, and that gives us a little bit of edge. But I got us uh, in a close one. Yeah, it might be the hottest game on record at TIAA Bank, and I think we flirted with that a few times now yeah. over the last uh, couple of years, so we'll see. Uh, how how much do you miss giving, like, the pregame speeches for your teams? Well, uh yeah, I guess I guess that's a little bit of it. You know, it, it's the stuff that you sort of miss is like the day-to-day stuff with the kids, uh, you know, on the field or being involved in their lives and stuff like that. And, you know, and, and like our game this week, these two teams undefeated, a big county rivalry game, and uh, should be exciting. But, yeah, you, you know, you sort of miss that stuff. But, shoot, I get to hang out with you. Are you kidding me? I was going to say, man, you can coach me up. I'm coachable, coach. You can fire me up. Give us a little pregame prep, pep talk. I'm good for it. <laughs> There you go, yeah. So, uh, you know, I had to get Stu going last week. So after that, uh, we were pretty good as we got going last week. But, no, uh, yeah, we missed you last week. Congratulations to your wife getting in the Hall of Fame. That's awesome. And, 
But yeah, so it was a good run. But I'm really, I've been looking forward to this one since we, you put, gave me the schedule in the beginning of August. So yeah, I'm really so, excited about Creekside and, and Barking tomorrow. Yeah, and I'm glad they're playing tomorrow night so we can do this and, and we push it tomorrow night and be able to call it on ESPN 690. You'll be able to see it too. We'll have video on all the different platforms. Now, it's a pretty simplistic shoot. Keep in mind, it's a radio broadcast, but we like to bring a, a video element just like to our shows here from 3 to 6 every day on uh, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. So we'll have a camera uh, there for the game tomorrow, Creekside and Bartram Trail. One note, too, you mentioned the Hall of Famer. You know, Ben Mondor, the old owner of the Pawtucket Red Sox, did my favorite interview I've ever done. And as we're leaving that interview, he said, make sure you surround yourself with good people. If you want to be the best, surround yourself with the best. Well, listen, I got my wife a Hall of Famer, you a Hall of Famer, Austin Lee's going to be a Hall of Famer at Murray State in a few months. I mean, I don't know what the hell Kuz's problem is. I'm never going to Hall of Fame, but I'm surrounded with Hall of Famers. Hey, well, that's good on your part, you know. So I'm excited again. Like I said, hey, Austin, you think sometimes like AB just doesn't want to go to training camp, so he comes up with all this stuff. That's when I think some of these vets that hold out or whatever get those injuries that sometimes they're like, yeah, let me pass on this training camp. But uh, man, I understand that point. But when you have training camp in Napa Valley, uh, I, would I, do, I, I would do three days in Napa Valley. <laughs> I would do four days where they're staying at and then that nice, you know, five-star hotel and everything. But it is kind of a crazy scene right now with the whole AB thing. Coach, I got to ask you, I mean, if you're the GM and, you know, I mean, obviously you've dealt with a bunch of high school kids, how do you handle the AB situation? Because all the reports coming out are saying that AB kind of went off on, on the GM, you know, kind of the head honcho of the team, and the repercussions are basically him posting an apology in social media, and now he's playing, you know, his first NFL game. How do you feel about that? Uh, well, again, I don't think that we got all the ins and outs, but the whole thing is, is you got a problem with your boss mm-hmm. on that level, on any level. I got a problem with my boss. I'm going to knock it on the door and walk in and say, hey, I don't agree with you giving me this fine or giving me a unsatisfactory on my thing, I, I'm not going to cuss you and yell at you and scream at you where everybody's around. You know what I mean? There's part of being an adult here that comes into play, you know, and we we get a little emotional and stuff, but at the same time, your boss is still your boss. You may think you're worth $30 million a year, but your boss is still your boss. So I think that's probably where it, but if he, if he came out and he said, hey, we're going to have to do something, I thought they were going to definitely suspend him at least one game, sort of get his attention and wake him up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's a good a good player and everything, but do you really need the circus uh, yeah. in that atmosphere? Um, you got to weigh that. You always have to weigh that. And, listen, the crazy thing about the Brown stuff is that he was a six-round pick. He works his tail off. Everybody says right. his workout regimen sure. is unbelievable. Yeah. And he's developed into one of the best in the league. That's not who usually is the MO for this stuff. It's no. usually a guy that was a first rounder. He's always been, you know, the top guy around. And this guy had to work right. for it. So it's, it's really a, a strange deal. Before we hit the top of the hour, I got to ask you about the football game, man. Uh, Coach Daryl Sutherland's been there for 20 years. Uh, coach Sean McIntyre at Creekside was our coach of the week this week, our Baker Sports coach of the week. Uh, this is uh, Sutherland told me last night he calls it a clean rivalry. These kids love to play against each other. I live down in that area. I know a lot of the kids and their families, so I know they know each other. They've hung out, gone to school with each other. Uh, this is really a fun game tomorrow night. Oh, yeah, I think it's going to be a fun game. If you want offense, you're going to get some offense tomorrow night. That's what I'm excited about. I'm gonna, I'm, I want to see what defense is going to bend and not break tomorrow. I think that's the difference. 
what what Creekside did offensively last week and then turn around and gave up over 600 yards on defense. And Bartram, you know, they're year in, year out. They're going to they're gonna run it sometimes and throw it sometimes. But I, I think it's going to come down to the Ben Delt-Brake defense. Who, who can control the other team and dictate the pace of the game? All right, Coach Sullivan, we'll see you tomorrow night, man. It'll be a fun one under the Saturday night lights. All right, lights. you guys have a good finish up the show. All we'll right, thanks. Later. Thank you, man. Thanks. Uh, Kevin Sullivan will join me tomorrow night. Uh, Action Sports Jacks, Game of the Week here on ESPN 690. We'll have it all on our digital and social media platforms as well, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, all of them. Uh, check it out. Uh, we'll have the call. Bartram Trail, Creekside, both undefeated early in the season. A little St. John's County rivalry. Place will be packed, by the way. Uh, should be a lot of fun tomorrow night. Kicks off at 6 o'clock. Pre-game coverage at 545. When we come back, my conversation with Leonard Fournette. And I want the over and under on touches for Fournette on Sunday. I'm going to set it at 25. All right. Over or under. Next on ESPN 690. Uh, you know, he, he's the one who drafted me, so just... Uh, being with him my rookie year, you know, learning how to be a pro, learning how to, you know, be a rookie quarterback and, you know, the expectations, you know, there is to play in this league and how difficult, you know, at the time, you know, Coach E was teaching me how difficult it is to be a quarterback in the city of Philadelphia, you know, it's not easy, you know, fortunately it, it worked out. That's Nick Foles talking about Andy Reid and his relationship with that Kansas City staff and some of the folks, uh, especially Andy Reid, of course, he played in Kansas City. Chris Conley did as well. One of the stops along the way on the path to Jacksonville for Nick Foles. And now this is his team. Again, this is a big moment for the Jacksonville Jaguars, for the front office, for Nick Foles, for this offense. This is a team that's bought into him. By the way, Nick Foles named the captain of the football team today, along with uh, several others, Calais Campbell. Uh, in there, Cody Davis, uh, from a special team standpoint, yep. was an interesting Brandon one. Brandon Linder. Uh, Linder, again. Miles Jack. And Miles Jack, after the big contract extension. Interesting, uh, but makes sense, right, from the yeah. quarterback of the defense. Now, notable, right, Telvin Smith is no longer here. Leonard Fournette not named a captain this season after being a captain last season. Mm-hmm. And that's not a surprise, right, because mm-hmm. there were some failed captaincies last year, not just on Fournette, but on several guys, I think. Yep. And uh, I think these are, are going to be good calls. Uh, the the difference is Lorente McRae was a captain for special teams last year. Which was, uh, Cody Davis is this year. Which is a little surprising to me because Cody Davis, this is his first year in Jacksonville, correct? He came, no. from, or he came from the Rams, I thought? Or in, this isn't his first year, I don't think. Is okay. this his first year? Maybe I, I feel like I he was here last year. Then. Okay, yeah, well, he was here is, last year. Okay, I got you. Well, then if he's here last year, then I, I think he I got hurt last year. Okay, but you know, I got to tell you, Cody Davis is one of the very quiet, kind of unassuming, uh, not talked about players on this roster. Yeah. I mean, he's a special teams guy. That's mm-hmm. why he's here. Uh, also a safety, but they just you don't hear his name mentioned. Yeah, very much. So he's he signed with the Jaguars uh, March in 2018. 18, yeah. yeah okay. okay, so this is his second year. Yeah. That's what I thought. Okay, yeah. good. Uh, but So he's one of the captains. Anyway, let's bring it back to Leonard Fournette. And we know this is a big year. He's mm-hmm. in a good place. I've said it, and I, and I, I hate to say it like this because we see so much in August, but it's important for a player to at least look like he's changed his ways if he's coming off a bad season. He's 20 pounds less than he was a year ago. He looks more mentally focused. He looks happy. You know, there's something to it. You know, Marcel Darius kind of enlightened me on this front. Because in the last couple of years, Marcel Darius has said, when you ask him, like, hey, man, how you doing? Everything good? He's like, I'm happy. 
I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I'm happy. Well, he was happy enough in Jacksonville to take a pay cut this year. True. Because he likes it here. And happiness is part of it. It's not just about the money. Well, if you're in a happy place, what happens at your workplace? You play mm-hmm. a little better. You perform a little better. It's not as bad putting that key code in and going to work yeah. and punching the clock. Especially coming from Gronkowski, who even said, I mean, he talked about playing for the Patriots, how he was stressed out and he was burnt out. Yeah. You know? so, so it happens. There's a good environment here in Jacksonville, at least for some players. And if things, if you look like you're being criticized, see, I always thought this was like it with Blake. Blake would walk into that gate. He would walk down that hallway, and half the people would be like, there's my guy, Blake. Mm-hmm. And half the other people, from salespeople to front office people to teammates in the locker room, would be like, hmm, <laughs> what are we going to get today? Right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, no, seriously. Yeah, yeah, I, I I mean, I'm, I'm talking more figuratively. I, I know. Yeah. But, but that's what happens. That happens. That happens in workplaces. If there's somebody that's not performing, yet I'm sure they still come to my work every day. Building every single day, people just want to go. you sneak hmm. in the side door? That's why. That's why I go in the side door every single time. You better believe it. <laughs> yes. So anyway, there's there's. I think Leonard Fournette's in a good place. Yes. I think he's talked about things, which also I think makes people feel better. He did that Bleacher Report article. You're going to hear the conversation we had with some of it uh, in just a couple of minutes. So I think that bodes well. We know he's going to get a lot of touches. We know he's a focal point of it. We think he's matured professionally. And now we well, – the X factor is can he stay healthy and can they block for him? So I don't think that he's matured professionally. I mean, I know, Brent, because you know me. I'm a, I'm a man of action. Um, I'm, not, I'm not a man of just words. And from what I've seen from Leonard Fournette, whether it's taking time to you know talk to some kids, trade his jersey, um, or if it's the first preseason game, he's on the sidelines and he's he has the headset on because he wants to hear the offense. Like those are signs to me that he wants to be part of that offense. He wants to be a leader, and those are actions, you know. And like I said, actions speak louder than words. So from everything that I've seen, and listen, I don't know if it's just a facade, if this is all just coming from a, a bad place, but what I've seen from Leonard Fournette so far is that he's taken the steps to be a leader of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, along those lines, I want you to hear my conversation with Leonard Fournette some of it. Tonight I have a story coming up, and we have a special, one-hour show, Jaguars preview special at 8 o'clock on CBS 47. And just to give you a little bit of background, what I wanted to do is a story with Leonard Fournette about this kind of being misunderstood guy. Mm-hmm. I think there are people that malign Leonard Fournette. One, because he was taken in the top five, partly because a guy like Watson and Mahomes have done well, and people said, why didn't you get that guy instead? Also because last year was a disaster on many fronts. He's been suspended. He's been hurt. And so from that standpoint, I think people, they don't know whether to like Leonard Fournette or not. And then there's this other side that we see. And I see it every game. And I see it almost every practice. And the fans don't get the full glimpse of this at times that we do, being right down there. Mm -hmm. And this guy takes care of the fans maybe better than I've ever seen anybody take care of the fans. Maybe better than anybody. Yeah. Think about a player you played with that was so good with the fans. And I know you were very good with the fans. And you had some relationships with some fans, whether it was kids and you kept in touch with them or mm-hmm. visited in a hospital. And all players do it. So yeah. it's not like this is something that no player does. Mm-hmm. But Leonard Fournette, man, he yeah. gives away his cleats. He gives away his gloves. He offers things up. It's always a picture. Sing he takes kids out to, to sing happy kids. birthday. When it's 100 degrees outside, that's the last thing I want to do. No offense to the kids out there. <laughs> but, man, when you're done with practice... Last thing I want to do is sing, but he, he he makes it a point to do that for the kids, which is great. And so to preface the story, my story idea for tonight, and yeah. this is what you're going to see, is this this dynamic of a guy that really gets it when it comes to the fans. Mm-hmm. Yet those same fans sometimes malign the player on the field, Yeah, which is fascinating to me. 
And so I sat down with Leonard Fournette. Here's a little bit of our conversation uh, that you'll hear more of tonight on TV on CBS 47 at 8 o'clock. You've been quoted the last couple of weeks, uh, two different times, I think, saying, uh, I think leaning on maybe your maturity mm-hmm. and the adversity and how much it's helped you into this year. You're, you're fit. You feel great, uh, according to everything you've said. Uh, is it what you went through a year ago that kind of changed something maybe for you mentally? Yeah, or? most definitely. Uh, I said last year was a big eye-opener for me, you know, especially my uh, last year's like my first downfall ever in football. You know what I mean? You know, everyone always have their personal problems, but, you know, football is kind of like a getaway for some of those guys who really love it. You know what I mean? I kind of had an off year, and uh, it challenged me a lot uh, towards the end of the season. You know, I had to fight. You know, a lot of things were going on, and uh, just trying to uh, get back in a, in a a better place for myself. You know, uh, I have a family that depends on me. For number one, I have kids that depend on me. So at the end of the day, it's not just about me. It's about them. They depend on me, and just trying to uh, walk the street in that narrow path, man. Were the criticisms fair of, at times, unprofessional or immature or whatever words people threw out? Uh, not not really, because nine times out of ten, a lot of those people can't couldn't be in our shoes anyway. You know what I mean? I don't worry about what the outsiders say or what they think, to be honest, because I, I am who I am. You know, nobody's perfect. You can't name me one person who, who hasn't made a mistake. Nobody's perfect at the end of the day, so uh, I just move on from that. How much is that? Uh, maybe even more in the forefront because you have kids now, and you see it, mm-hmm. and their reactions, and kind of what you do, and kind of that role model. Uh, it's just natural. You know, it's something I've been doing. Uh, this is for my kids. You know, uh, I try to be the best example that I can be for them. You know, like my father was for me. And it's it's, it's so different. You know, having kids too. Uh, special too at the same time but it's like it's a must you try to set that path for them you know it's hard walking a great path you know what I mean it's hard it's hard it's hard and it's and every day I learn a lesson like it's, it's harder being a man too you know and, and, I, and I'm not saying like big being tough or anything but I'm talking about being a man while it's like take care of your business you know, being an example for your kids, uh, for your, for my younger brother Lenard, you know, so things like that. You, you in, in some of those comments, you said you said you had to separate yourself from some people. How yeah. challenging is that? Because I bet there's a loyalty part to that as well. Yeah, most definitely. It's, it's, it's hard, man. People, you grow up. I grew up with 20 years plus uh, since kids, uh, sleeping in the same bed, going to the same school, uh, things like that, and no, everyone's not gonna be on the same level as you. You know, you can always love them in your heart, but got to keep a distance from them. You know, and everybody doesn't have the same goals, not going walk to walk the same paths as you. How uh, how big a year are you going to have? I think I'm going to have a great year. You know, especially all the work I put in. Uh, you know, uh, I'm just waiting. You know what I mean? I can't I can't really speak on it, uh, but I know uh, we're going we're, we're gonna to have to go through some things, but I think we'll have a great year overall. I have my conversation with Leonard Fournette, and uh, that guy's been open about a lot of different things. Again, that Bleacher Report article we talked about last week, yeah. I thought was fantastic. A little bit more of what you heard even in that few minutes uh, with us. Mm-hmm. And you'll hear the fan side of things later tonight at 8 o'clock on CBS 47, that, that dynamic that I was explaining earlier. But uh, I, I, I like Leonard Fournette. 
You know, I think there's something genuine refreshing about Leonard Fournette. And the more you understand about kind of where he came from, where he got out of and what he's done with his life, Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty impressive on a lot of fronts, especially a guy that's kind of handled. You know, you think about players that have handled the spotlight for a long time. You think about LeBron James. You think about Tiger Woods. Well, okay, I'm not saying Leonard Fournette is those guys on a global scale and an iconic scale. Yep. But don't get it twisted, as you might say. Leonard Fournette is not far from that, where he grew up in terms of being like this iconic figure in Louisiana. I, I mean, mean anytime Lil old, Wayne's dude, rapping about you in one of his songs when you're in high school, yeah, you're a big deal. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Enough said, yeah. at 12 years old, he, on the Pop Warner fields, he was a star yeah. already. And even if you look at the, the reach he has on social media, if people that jump in, I mean, he has, he doesn't necessarily, I don't think, have the ESPN NFL Network kind of brand of Jalen Ramsey, mm-hmm. I think because his play hasn't been there just yet in consistent form. You know, Jalen's gone an all-pro and a pro bowler for a couple times. Mm-hmm. Leonard had a good rookie year, I think, but he hasn't been named that. If Leonard gets to that level this year, you watch the star just burst throughout the entire country and in the NFL. He will become a guy all over things, much like Jalen Ramsey is right now. Yeah, you know, I mean, the biggest thing that I took away from that little, you know, that little post that we just had here with Leonard Fournette is that it takes time to adapt yourself to the NFL, and everyone adapts differently. You know, even when I look back at my career here, Brent, um, I didn't really like much, quote unquote, mature or, or become like a true professional. Until I left Jacksonville. No, that's not to say I didn't have time for the fans. I love the fans, you know, and I busted my ass every single time I went in the weight room or I went on the field. Don't get it twisted. But from a, a standpoint of taking care of myself, um, from a standpoint of just, you know, eating healthy, making sure I'm doing the right things to set myself up for success in the off season. I didn't do those things until, you know, I basically left uh, Jacksonville, got to Kansas City, and then went to Chicago, you know, and I think having kids is a big part of that because I, I guarantee you if I would have had my son when I was in college, it would have been completely different. And you see that now with Josh Allen. Josh Allen's one of the most mature professional rookies you're ever going to meet. Really, and, and I think having kids is, is definitely a, a, a big part of that, you know, and with Leonard Fournette, and I, I like how you use the phrase misunderstood, right? Because football is such a, it's such a crazy game for a lot of reasons. But one of the biggest reasons is because it's probably the most watched sport in the, in the entire, well, in the entire U.S. I think mean, soccer's got the world, right? But in the U.S., it's the most watched sport. But I think that since the football players hide behind their pads, hide behind their helmets, um, you don't get to see who they truly are. All you know of is by what they do on the field. You don't get to see them off the field like an NBA player, even a baseball player. So from that perspective, uh, you know, I think the the feelings of being misunderstood sometimes kind of bleach out. That's what you heard with Leonard Fournette a little bit. Yeah, Uh, more of that tonight, 8 o'clock on CBS 47. By the way, ask the question, over under 25 touches. Uh, Here's some, you think about it, you tell me in a second. Uh, Cody says under, we'll be playing catch up a bit, won't have the chance to run as much, I'd say 20 or so. Zach says over, but not by much and more short or swing passes than we expect. And I believe that too. I think okay. Catch out of the backfield. This is rushing and passing okay. game. I was ask uh, that Stevie question. Stack says get the over for sure. I'm thinking like 31 carries in the football game. Oof. That would be a lot early yeah. in the season. But what do you think? Over or under 25? So if it was just carries, I'm going with the under. I think he's going to be in the 20 range. But since we're adding passes to the mix, I can see at least four or five targets. Uh, so I assume three or four passes there. So I'm going with the over. But don't forget, I think they like Armstead a lot too. Armstead can lower his head to get you some yards. And the guy I'm curious about, 
Oh, Zigbo from uh, yeah. New Orleans. Because yeah. this guy like is the, from a typical third down back that can catch balls out of the backfield. So I'm curious to see if they actually use him a little bit as well. I think it's clearly over. He's going to have 22 to 23 carries, and I think he has five to six catches in this football game for the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday. Will it be enough? Well, we'll find out on Sunday. We're back right after this. ESPN 690 with more football talk. Oh, big shout out to Casey Musgraves today on the shirt. Seemed like a Casey Musgraves Friday, Brent. Love it. You hear a new song? Which one? I forget its name, but it came out yesterday. I don't think I did, actually. Is it just her? And you call yourself a fan. Homecoming Queen? I think that's what it's called. It's it's not pageant material? Okay, I'll I'll check it out. I haven't heard it. Sorry. No, I, I heard it on the way in today. Brent, to be fair, and you know me, man. I celebrate Casey Musgraves' entire catalog, front to back. But I'm more of an old school Casey Musgraves guy than I'm like a new school Casey Musgraves guy. I'm tweeting at Casey Musgraves now just to that you were. I wish you wouldn't, man, because that's a, hey, that's a little creepy though, right? That's not creepy. You're just a fan. That's, that's, Why is that's that kind creepy? of a little creepy though, well, right? It's creepy. Why are you wearing the shirt? Because I'm a fan, but we don't have to tweet. You know, like no, we, we don't have to I do would, that. You, you wouldn't wear that shirt to her concert. No. Oh, John, 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 John. What have you done? John, John, John. John. I thought we put this to bed, man. I thought we put this whole debate to rest. So in case you're not aware, you never, ever, ever wear the artist that you're going to see. You never wear their T-shirt. You never wear a Jag shirt to the Jags game. I mean, because that does it. John? Different, okay? This is about this, a four-day conversation. Now. I'm sorry I scratched oh, that no. one. <laughs> you want to be fired up on a Friday? Let's do it, man. Let's go. I love that you went there. Uh, yeah. That's outstanding. So apparently the th- you're not allowed to. I learned this about a month ago. I wore a Def Leppard shirt to the Def Leppard concert. Not I was proud. Cool. Well, not, cool. not cool, man. You know what? It's not the first time I've been accused of not being cool. <laughs> and I embrace my non-coolness. Hey, I've got an idea, though. What I hope got? Casey's listening. I'm sure she is. Kinda, okay, I, I and, hope so she is. Yeah, I hope she is too. Casey, if you're listening, you have a, a an open invitation on Fridays around 4.30, or we'll, we'll be flexible with the time frame. Oh, to any day a, of the week, Casey. Celebrity guest picker for our six-pack of picks. Yeah. Yeah, because we know I can't be one. No, you don't yeah. fit the bill. We come bigger than that. <laughs> you know, here's what we do. Because you know she's playing in St. Augustine in a couple months in or October, so. October, I think. October. Sold out. The amp. I work my way to the front row, and I have an ESPN 690 mic, and yeah. I have the camera, and, and like, your shirt during. Well, yeah, d- well, it's getting a little <laughs> creepy, right? A little creepy. But during like the intermissions and during like she's you know taking a rest, talking to the crowd, I was be like, Casey, what are your thoughts about the Jacksonville Jaguars playing the Denver Broncos today? Who's gonna win it? And like, that's not, like that. man, that's not creepy. No, that's not crazy at yeah, all. Yeah, but that's for the show though. Oh, all right, right. there's a difference. Right. Oh, man. okay, okay, Cha-ching. okay. I got yeah. you. Okay, all right, yeah. all right. I uh, like it. Because uh, open invitation. money always comes first. Oh, open invitation. I'm gonna reach sure. out. Listen, I tried to get Garth Brooks on the show. That didn't happen. Casey Musgraves. Let's see if it happens. Just, just don't embarrass me, though. All right. That's all I ask. I'm not embarrassing. Yeah, I, I just think just, it would be fun to have right. Casey on the show. Listen, I'm, I'm a fan it, of hey, country music. Yeah. You're a fan of Casey Musgraves. I am. Well, Casey Musgraves is country music, so I'm a fan of country music. Did you know, I met Garth Brooks one time. I interviewed him. Did you know that? Uh, I did not know that. I'll tell you that sometime later. People at home don't need to hear it. That's fine. They might want... Was it a good story? It was a great story. What do you got? Well, so I interviewed Garth Brooks. Back when I was working in Rapid City, this was back in like the late 90s. Oh, he was big time then. Huge. He played six or seven shows in Rapid City, South Dakota. That's how big it was. (laughs) Okay? 
So this is really fun. So yeah. his his road guy was named Patrick, right? Okay. And he said, "Hey, do you have tickets to the to the concert tonight?" And I said, "As a matter of fact, I did. I went and bought some ticket a ticket off of a friend of mine." And he said, "All right, great. Well, maybe I'll see you at the show. So go to the show, sit down in the show, and then the seat that I purchased was miserable. It was this is like at the old stadium where or old arena where they had the posts and stuff, and it was yeah. like behind a post, way back. It was a miserable seat." And I had the wrong day. Turns out I had the Saturday ticket for a, and I was sitting there on a Friday. So some lady came and said, trying to get You're in the in fantasy league yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? I said, oh, no. All so, the adversity. So I was like, well, this is great. So I go back around. I'm now like, now what am I going to do? And I saw Patrick walking down the, you know, the back hallways there. And I said, hey, man, how you doing? He's like, hey, John, how you doing? I said, well, so I thought I had a seat. I don't have a seat. Can you help me out? He said, oh, yeah, no problem takes me into the uh, ticket office, and he says, what do we have left? Somewhere nice. <laughs> Front row, baby. Front, Front row. row for Garth Brooks, and that was the show where he Done. came up and... Comes out of the stage? Well, so the, so the, the grand piano comes out of the stage, yeah. and it looks like Garth is playing the piano, and you're thinking, yeah! Yep. And halfway through the song... Garth comes out of the piano, right? Ah. Like it was like a hey, you know, a sleight of hand. Greatest yeah. yeah. ever, fantastic. It, yes, Dude, with, I'm not arguing. Without question, swinging from the row. Oh, it was amazing. He's awesome. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I I have met many of athletes. Yep. All right, Dan Marino. I grew up. I love Dan Marino. Tiger Woods. I'm a big Tiger fan. We've interviewed Tiger. Uh, still like to do a one on one with Tiger someday down the road. But I did the. I would say top of my list of. Guests that I've met or celebrities that I've met yeah. is Garth. Yeah, he's such, a great, he's such a great guy. Cool. Yep. Really good. Real good interview, too. All right, what do you got coming up? Uh, speaking of interviews tonight, 5 o'clock on, on CBS 47 and 47. Yeah, we got, uh, well, actually, Russell Colburn is on his way to the Bahamas right now. Really? So, you know, we've, we've, we've got all kinds of local folks doing great and marvelous things, including the farmer who wants to stay anonymous, who bought tens of thousands awesome. of dollars in general. We, we're from get, Jacksonville. So, yeah, he's from this area, northeast Florida. I don't know if it's okay. Jacksonville okay. exactly, but anyway, he's from our area, wants to stay anonymous, but guess what? We have the only interview with him. That's coming up tonight as well at 5 or 6. Good score, Action yes. News Jacks. Fantastic. But on top of that, uh, lots of folks doing lots of great things to get help to Bahamas, including uh, a, a local businessman who um, runs some private jets, basically. And he's got a he's he's getting a bunch of pilots and a bunch of planes together to to fly supplies down to the Bahamas. Because let's be honest, it's about the only that and ships the only way you're going to get stuff there. And so uh, Russell Colburn is on one of those planes. He was supposed to leave at four o'clock, so. He's on one of those planes. He uh, filed hopefully something right before he took off uh, for us for 5 o'clock. And then he's supposed to land, and we're hoping he'll have something for us during the 6 o'clock show. And then certainly coming up tonight on Action News Jacks at 10 and 11, um, we'll have the full report from him because he's expected to come back tonight as okay. well. So they'll drop off the supplies, turn around, and come back. So it's it's amazing what um, what this area is doing to try to help out those folks. Um, the death toll is um, rising. It's at least 30 now. At least that was the last count yesterday. But it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be, a lot. It's gonna be yeah. on the uh, tenfold that and then some, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, real quick, so, uh, yeah. mention the uh, Convoy, of, Convoy care. of Care That's on right. Tuesday, Tuesday, St. John's Town Center. Tuesday, the usual spot right outside of Maggiano's yep. from 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. You can come by and drop off all kinds of supplies, hygiene products, baby supplies, dog food, non-perishable water, all that stuff. 
Uh, the, Check out actionnewsjacks.com yeah. for more information on to it. To get the full Tuesday. list of what you can bring by. But, yes, Tuesday, 7 to 2. I don't know if you're going to be able to swing by. I'm going to try either. to swing by there for I'll a while, help unload some stuff. But we're going to get a big old truck there and um, do our part. All right. Then also, it's a good time to remind you. Remember, we had Coach Yo, former JU women's basketball yep. coach, mm-hmm. Old Miss basketball coach. Her family's from the – she's from the Bahamas. Her family's still in the Bahamas. And so I'll give her another shout-out. GoFundMe Absolutely. page, Coach Yo, if you want to help Coach Yo raise some money for the Bahamas as well. Uh, do your part if you can do it. Everybody kind of chipping in. We've seen all the pictures uh, certainly yeah. from the Bahamas. We haven't even seen it all yet. Either. That's the thing, too. Looking forward to Russell's report tonight on yeah. CBS 47 and Fox 30. That's John Bachman. Have a nice weekend, man. Thanks, guys. Good work Appreciate all week, it. by yes, the way, on the hurricane too. coverage. Thank you. Uh, when we come back, for the first time ever, the celebrity six-pack of picks. Who's the celebrity? It's on the way right after this. <laughs> All right, hopefully we don't butcher this like we did yesterday's fantasy football draft mm-hmm. on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Yep. That was a disaster. This should be a little easier. Hopefully we can actually make our picks, right? Not have to auto-draft our picks. Auto-draft? We'll see what the record shows at the end. I'm not auto-drafting my picks, though. That's for sure. Instead, it's the first edition, first time ever. We're going to do this every Friday. The Celebrity Six-Pack of Picks. I'm not the Celebrity. Austin Lane, not Be the honest. celebrity. Yeah, you're, you're fine. It's all good. It's not Casey Musgraves. I wish, though. Action Sports Jackson Weber is here. He's not the celebrity. Debatable. Marcel Robinson picks are in. He's not the celebrity. Kuz, certainly not a celebrity. Yeah, definitely not. What depends what kind of eyes you're looking through. This guy the is friend of the show. He joined us months ago. He's going to join us, I think, at times during football season. Big time Jags guy. Duval County. Uncle Chaps is on the show. He's our celebrity, our first one ever. We got to start it big time. What's up, Uncle Chaps? Not much. It's the first time I've ever been called a celebrity, so I'm kind of reveling in it right now. I don't like that. That's why, good. that's why I, I figured a long introduction was worth it for you. You got to revel <laughs> yeah, in this I'm stuff. Sure, I'm sure dials all across Jacksonville just change. <laughs> <laughs> no way, man. No way. How you been anyway? I've been doing great, man. Excited for the football season. This is the first year. I haven't been a big betting guy, uh, but we just started a new thing called Barstool Bets with my job, and it's going really good. I put in some, I went in for the under, put in, they gave us a thousand bucks. We like, we got, we want you guys to be in, involved in this betting program. I went with a thousand bucks on the under, and by the third quarter, I was already like, this betting thing is easy, man. I'm really good at this. I'm ready to give you guys my pick today. Hey, that's how problems are created. (laughs) (laughs) That beginner's luck in betting is a dangerous thing. Uh, But it it was nice because when my wife came in last night and she, I was kind of testing the water because I knew work had given us this money to put in for the betting program. And she was like, what do you, she's like, you're watching the, the game was like, yeah, I put a thousand bucks on the under. She's like, you did what? (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah, just well, to test the water, see how that would go. It didn't go well. I think didn't that did go, well. uh, did go pretty well, no doubt about it. All right, let's get it going. Here's the deal. We have six games, and we couldn't mix between college and NFL. I'm just going to try to pick games that I think are really tough to pick but also are pretty marquee in people's minds. And uh, we'll always have the Jaguars involved as long as they're playing. Uh, so we've got this week four NFL games, two college games uh, to uh, take a look at. And uh, we're going to get you going. You have to start us off uh, with the first pick. I'm going to save the Jags until last, but let's go in the college game. You're in the state of Texas, aren't you? Yeah, I'm in San Antonio. All right, well, they are talking about this one all across the state of Texas. LSU and Texas tomorrow, six-and-a-half-point favorites are the Tigers. Who you got? 
I think LSU smashes Texas tomorrow. Wow. I, I think they, I think they not only win by six, I think they win by 21. I think that their offense looks so much better. I think that Texas is going to have to prove that they can throw the ball, and they haven't done that in a long, long time. Uh, even though he had 22 touchdown passes last year, I don't think he gets anywhere near uh, those LSU DBs. LSU will be DBU this week and dominate Texas. Go ahead, Austin. What you got? Neutral game site, but is it really uh, neutral? That is in Austin. Well, I was just I getting to the point. Oh, it's in Austin. It's in Austin. Well, then I've been given the, ba- the bad information. You were. Regardless, LSU all day. <laughs> yeah, I, I think LSU has way too much talent on both sides of the ball. I think they have a quarterback now that they really like that can lead them, and I don't think Texas can compete, so I'm going LSU I'm all day. I'm already rigging this thing, Uncle Chaps. I've uh, given them wrong information. Can't wait. On yep. some of the picks. Uh, go ahead, Weber. What you got? Uh, as you said, it's played in Austin. I feel like you can't take a whole lot from the first game since they both played nobodies. I think LSU wins, but I think Texas covers. I think they're going to get within that six and a half, and the Longhorns are my pick in this segment. People are uh, uh, really big on LSU this year, mm-hmm. uh, by the way. Uh, what time is that game kicked? Do you guys know? You have it right there? I think it's a 3.30 game. It's an afternoon game. That- and I think that completely takes away so much of the home field advantage that you would have in Texas because it's going to be over 100 degrees. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Longhorn Stadium in, no. for a day game it's early hot. in the season. It's very it hot. is miserable. Yeah. Miserable. Uh, well, there you go. Some good information there. See, that's why he likes LSU. Coos has uh, Texas. Marcel Robinson has Texas. And you know what? Given that information, I'm going with LSU. I'm coming with you guys. So three for LSU, three for Texas. All right, let's get the other college game. The other one we had on, Texas A&M and Clemson. You know, people think this is a marquee game because it's two top 12 teams. But Clemson's favored by 17 and a half. At least that's the line I had. I think it might have gone down a little bit. But we're hanging with 17 and a half. What you got, Uncle Chaps? Clemson a roll or Texas A&M the hang? I think Clemson wins, but Texas A&M covers. I think having a SEC school that is insulted by that line when you're already a top 12 team, I think they're going to be insulted by that line. Come out. This might be the only time that Clemson is down at the half all year, and then I think that they'll they'll, they'll pull it out, but I don't think that they cover. You know, I feel about it. I don't have Clemson going to my college football playoffs, so I need something crazy to happen. Not saying it's going to be this week, Ooh. but I'm saying something crazy is going to happen this college football season. I do have Texas A&M within the spread of 17 and a half. I'm going with a Texas two-step. I picked the Horns to cover. I'm picking the Aggies to cover as well, even though every bone in my body says not to do anything positive towards Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> I think some people would agree with you. Marcel has Clemson, by the way. Coos has Texas A&M. I'm taking Clemson. They played 90 guys last week. They won't do that this week. But I tell you what, their top 50 guys are going to be able to roll everybody. I think Clemson is so much better than everybody else in the country, and that includes Alabama. Now to the NFL. Falcons and Vikings. This is a good game right off the rip in week number one. Four-point favorite for the homestanding Vikings. Who do you have, Uncle Chaps? Yeah, I think the Vikings win that one at home. uh, They got to bounce back of the year they had. So disappointing last year. Dalvin Cook looks like he's going to be in good shape. I think that they, they roll against Atlanta. Uh, so I, I didn't really take these picks really seriously, Brent. So I picked them between their cities. Both cities are really cool. Both cities have lime scooters you can bump around on. Both cities have great food. Although the Atlanta Falcons, when we were there for the Super Bowl, that Chinese restaurant we ate at was super expensive. It was good, I, it was good but it was super expensive. You didn't pay. Well, paid for it. Yeah, I didn't pay for it, but it was still super expensive, and it still bothers me to this day. <laughs> the, the Twin Cities are rocking Juicy Lucy's, Friday Fish Fries, and Ludafisk. I'm taking the Vikings. 
Well, there you go. I mean, I'd, I'd hate to argue with analysis like that. By but, the way, I spent way more okay. on the expense report in Minnesota last year oh, yeah. at the steakhouse than I did at the Chinese restaurant in Atlanta. I can Offense confer- wins games and defense wins championships. The Vikings have both. There you go, Stuart. There's my NFL expertise for there you. There we go. That's more like it. You happy? You say you didn't take it seriously. Look at you. Who do you got? I got the Falcons uh, not just to cover but to win this game as well. As I said in the fight for the Fedora, of which I am leading, by the way, one to nothing. Very good. Uh, yeah. That's a different uh, game. Is that a positive thing or a bad thing? Positive. That's a good I'm thing. I'm the only one who got the Packers over the Bears. Who's as Falcons? Uh, getting Fedora is a good thing. Okay. Oh, yeah. Marcel, okay. Good. Marcel takes the Vikings, which is Ooh, interesting since he's a Falcons yeah, fan. Uh, Fresh I'm, off his selfie with Julio. I actually think the Falcons start slow a lot, but I'm going to take them anyway to cover the four points. I've got Atlanta in this game. Next up, Rams-Panthers, Uncle Chaps. I'm going to go Rams. I would be If I was the Rams, I'd be pissed that they made me play the Panthers. After losing the Super Bowl, you think you have a little bit of a marquee matchup week one. You don't with the Panthers. You have to go on the road when you lost the Super Bowl. I take them. I think they're going to go across the country and smack the Panthers around. Uh, so I think Christian McCaffrey's on steroids. And oh. yeah, uh, I think it's a lot more than just doing creatine, eating healthy, and getting a good night's sleep. Have you seen Christian McCaffrey lately? I guess I didn't see the shot you're referring to. I hope he's on to. steroids. I hope every athlete gets on steroids. There we go. I'm a big steroids guy. Yeah, big steroids. How supporter. do you feel about 14 year olds getting on steroids? My son I don't mind it. Use <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But Christopher McCaffrey just might be. I'm not. I'm not saying he is, but he might be. But sure, uh, sound pretty adamant. My my very first interview, Brent, at the Super Bowl came from a, a, the Rams cheerleading squad. Yes, um, they were very uninspiring. <laughs> Um, it was a horrible interview. They shot down my confidence as a field reporter. Wasn't great. Yeah. N- nevertheless, the Rams cheerleaders will not be in Carolina, so I'm picking. Uh, I'm gonna pick uh, the Rams. I'm gonna take the team with the better backup quarterback, Rams. <laughs> nice. Oh, little Bortles love. Very good. Uh, the Rams for Marcel and the Rams for. Uh uh, Justin as well for Coos, and you know what? I gotta go with the Rams too. I think the money's going actually toward Carolina, which is a little surprising, but the Rams are just too good, I think, to get it done. Oh, I love this game. Steelers and Patriots. What's going to happen? Keep in mind, Patriots sometimes get off the slow starts, Uncle Chaps. They do, but I think with where I work, if I pick the Steelers, I think I might get fired, so I'm gonna go with the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> hey, job security is important. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking the Steelers. Uh, they they have not signed an unknown white wide receiver this year on the waiver wire, so therefore Steelers by a by a lot. I say the Steelers lose, but they cover. All right, uh, that was quick. Patriots uh, for Marcel Robinson. Patriots for Coos. I have a saying that says, "Don't ever bet against the Patriots." Mm-hmm. But if you're giving me five and a half points. I'm going to take the other team. I actually like the Steelers to cover. The Steelers with all this Antonio Brown. The Steelers feel stuff. The Steelers are feeling great about themselves right now, aren't they? They're oh, yeah. the happiest team in the league. They don't have to deal with A.B. Yeah. And so I think they are going to play loose, and I think they're going to play well. And uh, I think the Steelers will at least keep it close. I don't think they win the game, but I think they cover. All right, here we go. How happy does Le'Veon Bell have to be that Antonio Brown is doing this with the Raiders? Because nobody really remembers him having issues last year either. That's now true. it's just like Le'Veon Bell, just a member of the Jets, and everything was normal. He is. He's like a stand-up citizen in all of this, and a guy that just sat out a year, and it all worked out well. It, it's yeah. like a footnote in all the conversations. It's a good point. Yeah. Odo Beckham Jr. is looking pretty good now, too, he in is. Cleveland. You he know, is. like all of a sudden, all those escapades on the sidelines fighting that kicking net. Everybody forgot about that as well. Uh, wait till the Sundays start. I mean, it's coming up this weekend. Don't be we'll a see if those guys are like that. Don't be a hater, All right. Brent. Chiefs and Jaguars. Three and a half is the spread we have. Chiefs a favorite on the road. Of course, Super Bowl favorites to win it all. 
Are you going to go up a Duval or what, Uncle Chaps? This is a tough one to call in week one. You know, I had really, earlier in the week, we talked about it on my show on Sirius XM, the Chaps and Kate show, and I had talked myself into the Jags. I was like, you know what? This is the type of team that's going to give Chief, the Chiefs trouble. We have a great front four. You have two strong linebackers now. You have great cornerbacks. We're the type of team that will keep Patrick Mahomes off the field if Leonard Fournette can really get going. The Cam Robinson injury is brutal. Mm -hmm. It is just absolutely brutal. Him having to guard Clark and now, like, yeah, Frank Clark on the outside, that is going to be a tough, tough thing to overcome. But I'm still going to go with the Jags. I think being at home, hopefully that – Humidity really makes an effect on the on the Chiefs, but we'll see. I, I'm hopeful, though. I'm hopeful. We need it. I think that this is the one that you need. Nick Foles got to come out and have a strong game. I'm excited to see what Dee Dee does, and maybe Marquise will be out there and he'll stay healthy for longer than half an hour. Yeah, you've been next the whole time. My bad, man. <laughs> All right. So according to my weather at Brent, it's going to be uh, in the mid-90s, so you can expect the on-field temperatures to be about 100 or so. Yeah. I like that in the Jags' favor. I like the excitement of Nick Foles. I like the intrigue of the team. I like the passionate fan base that's coming to the game all hopped up on fireball. I think that if you take a breathalyzer, hold it up in TIAA Bank Field, anywhere in the stadium, it's going to register at least a point two. All those things considered, I'm taking the Jags at home plus 3.5. All right, I like it. Uh, by the way, remember last year the Patriots played here in week two and it was 100 plus uh, or felt like, and they took the temperature gauges down. They took the thermometers down sure. on the sideline. Uh, the Patriots said they didn't want to see any of that. Go ahead, Stuart, what you got? Yeah, Chaps kind of touched on it a little bit. The, the Cam Robinson thing scares me. It's hurt, it, hurtful. It hurts a lot, and especially when I was considering, you know, Jags defense great, Chiefs offense great kind of consider those two to be a wash. And then I go to the other side of the ball, and I feel like this injury really tips it in the favor of Kansas City. So I'm taking the Chiefs. All right, Coos has uh, the Chiefs, and Marcel has the Chiefs. I'm going with the Jags to cover. I actually have them losing this game. Mm-hmm. But I'm going – I like the hook on that. That three and a half, that extra half a point is big, especially at home. If you can get a home dog and get three and a half, you're usually in good shape. I don't like the Jags' chances in this football game this week. I don't because I think Kansas City's that good. And I'm going to find them nine or ten wins across the, the season. This isn't one of them. It's not the end of the world if the Jags lose this game. Kansas City's really good, and Andy Reid starts fast. But I've got the uh, uh, Jags covering the three and a half. All right, that's it. That's our six-pack. Austin, were you... Austin, were you on the team the last time the Chiefs played in Jacksonville? 26-2? to two? I was on the Chiefs, and I just got cut before the, the, the season started. Uh, that was uh, that block punt for uh, the score, and like at the first quarter was one of the most deflating moments I can remember in my Jags fandom. It was just unbelievably brutal. I hope something like that doesn't happen again. Let me ask you guys this: Was it a pretty warm day for that game or not? I think it was pretty hot. That did, day. did you say? Yeah, it was. It was Kansas City kind of wiltering? I mean, it didn't I, it matter, was a man. sloppy the game. Jags I know stunk. it was a sloppy game. That game it was kind of hard to tell anything. It was 26 that was the game where everybody would thought Blaine might actually end up being somewhere where Chad was supposed to start and then Blaine got better and everybody was like, alright, Blaine's going to be good. And then Blaine was terrible. They blocked the punt. They scored right in the like right in the Bolt City Brigade end zone. Yep. It was so deflating. It was. I can picture it right now. And by the way, that's one of the five wins on opening day for Andy Reid as a Kansas City head coach. He's 5-1 and one, and that was one of them. 
uh, the win over the Jacksonville Jaguars here in Jacksonville. For some reason, he's really good at the outset of seasons. Hey, Uncle Chaps, uh, we appreciate you joining us. Tell us where we can find all your stuff. I think you have a show coming up at 530, you mentioned. Yep, my show starts at 6 o'clock. It's on Channel 85 on Sirius XM on Barstool Radio. It's called the Chaps and Kate Show. And then you can find my podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's called Zero Blog 30. It's a great little show. Might want to check it out. I appreciate the support, fellas. Absolutely. At Uncle Chaps on Twitter, a great follow, a fun follow. Enjoy football season, especially this weekend, man. We appreciate you jumping in. Thank you, fellas. Bye. All right. Uncle Chaps uh, are part of our Celebrity Six Pack of Picks. We'll do that every Friday. We'll find some new guests. And uh, we know he's a big Jags guy, big Duval guy, and we wanted to get it rolling with Uncle Chaps, a friend of the program. And I've asked Uncle Chaps to come on the show from time to time throughout the fall, so I think I like uh, he will do that. He continues to do well uh, out there in San Antonio, uh, Texas. All right, so that's it. Now what we have to do is keep score of this. Did you get all that, Coos? I recorded it. Very good. Smart. So that's at least we have it. Don't lose the tape. Well, i got to save it first as long as the computer doesn't crash. And here's the real question. What does the winner get? Throughout the season. Oh, no, we're going for a belt. The belt, okay. Okay? Okay. This is the belt. Fantasy is not a belt. Yeah, well, I kind of promised the fantasy group would get a belt, too, so. We got to do belt. How many belts can I wear? Well, hold on, how many? Just, just, just like, literally give them an actual belt. Yeah. Like, yeah. Go, to like Stein, go to Steinmark, get like a $5 belt, and off we go. All right, done. And I like just it. Right, nah, like, we gotta make right up. We're making sh- up a heavyweight belt, championship belt, and Jericho, we're, ours won't be stolen. <laughs> Can we go to Longhorn first? <laughs> it then? is recovered, by the way. <laughs> did, did you hear the story about that it, real yeah. quick? No, what is it? Uh, yeah, they found it, but somebody supposedly put it on Craigslist and said, I have uh, some kind of wrestling belt here I'm willing to sell. And like the detective that Jericho hired found it on Craigslist, and they, they got the belt back. So, I so, I so the guy stole with my it golf clubs. I looked on Craigslist. Right. He stole it out of a cab. Somehow it His got limo, stolen yeah. out of a cab. So here's the story, Brent. Got stolen out of a cab. Somehow ended up on the highway. Somebody came across it on the highway. So it was just sitting there on the highway. Supposedly. How expensive is that belt? Fell off a truck. It's not yeah. cheap. I'm guaranteed. It's not it's cheap. very expensive. Not, Tony Khan's not playing any, any games. The celebrity six pack of picks. That belt is going to be a lot cheaper. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> rightfully so. But somebody found it on, on, on the side of the road, supposedly, and then put it on Craigslist, and they found it from there. Now, is this still work? Is this all a setup? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like it's still part of something. But, but it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been carried on longer. Yeah, but I think once you get the police involved and the police are filing reports, that's it's, it's, kinda, it's still wrestling. It is still wrestling. Okay, I, I, don't, I don't think it's a good look, though, if you get the police involved. It was in Tampa, when, right? It was in Tallahassee. Oh, Tallahassee. Yeah. Well, maybe the Tallahassee police Slow. needed to meet the quota, and they weren't going to get there. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they need a little did notoriety. I just, did I just, like, blame corruption that's, for some of that's this? That's at Brett Martineau at Twitter. <laughs> yep. No, it's not really. <laughs> at Brett A.S. Jacks. But above, oh, whatever. Speak, just type his name, and you'll find it. Speaking of Twitter, uh, at Unique Jags fan, Jose, uh, chiming in with some more Austin misinformation, LSU, Texas, 7.30 p.m. game. Oh, no, I might have given him that. It yeah. is 7.30? 7.30, according to Why am I getting blamed for this? No, 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 giving oh. you misinformation. Oh, that, I got you. I thought, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, Thank sorry, you. sorry, Uncle Chaps. I thought I I thought yeah. I saw that one halfway down the list, so I kind of assumed it was a 3.30. So the two game, the two marquee games are both at night, LSU-Texas and... Uh, uh, Florida-UT uh, Martin. <laughs> yeah, not that one. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, wait, maybe LSU-Texas was the night one. And Texas A&M was the afternoon. I flipped them around. That was it. I thought one was in the afternoon. My bad. So anyway, that gives Texas more of a chance. <laughs> there you go. Well, it's called Chaps back well, here. Well, by the way, <laughs> he, Uncle Chaps actually convinced me 
Oh. To go with LSU yeah. with the heat factor. Yeah. So I kind of screwed myself there you go. on that one. And I was probably leaning Texas. But all you guys went Texas. I was a little surprised by that. I went LSU. You did. And yes. Uncle Chaps went LSU. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. did I. Yeah. See, I'm not as high. I, I'm a little bit more on the prove it to yeah. me for LSU. Because mm-hmm. people will talk about LSU yeah. every year. And I know they just had a great start. But, I mean, I think Texas is pretty good. Like, Herman's a good coach. And I well, think he's got that thing going in the right direction. So, And here's the thing with Herman, too. I don't love my pick is what I'm saying. When when, when Herman's the underdog, I saw the stat today. I think when Herman's the underdog, Texas has covered, I want to say, I think they're 5-1 and one when they're the underdog. Yeah, it's gambling <laughs> for stats. The spread. Like yeah, it. it's a little gambling stat for you. I like uh, it. Take like it for what you stats. want. Take it for uh, what you real want. Real quick thought since we have a minute or so. Uh, obviously, the Gators have UT Martin. Yeah. Uh, you know, the cool part about that is that we're in the, uh, Mr. Two Bits, decal, uh, decal on the back of the necktie, cool which is looking. really cool. Yep. Uh, you know, and we'll see where, can they look clean? Can they look crisp? Other than that, I'm not breaking down a UT Martin game. All no right. I mean, to. this isn't going to be a barometer game. I think it's more you like to in these games look like LSU looked last week or look like you name yeah. it. You know, a game you should win by 20, 30 points, some 20 really, 30 points, 40 points. Yeah. And do it. Yeah, you I, should have a member of the alumni coming out and catching a touchdown. I mean, it's almost like a spring game if you, if you're really talking about it. But then again, if you ask Tennessee about their game last week with Georgia State, uh, what are they going to think about that? And speaking of, oh, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say with UT Martin, yeah, UT Martin's a cupcake, all right. And I don't like UT Martin because we played them in the yeah, OVC every single rivalry. year. But if, if you're the Florida Gators, listen, you're coming off a bye week right now. You got to build confidence, all right. So you have to get Felipe Franks going, get him more confident. He didn't have that good of showing in Miami, and also you have to win the battle of the trenches against Miami. They had 28 carries for 54 yards. You got to gain confidence with your offensive line as well. So this is a game where you can smash mouth, um, you know, really plow the ball home. And hopefully gain some confidence out of it. What about the cupcake Georgia plays this week? Ah, ooh. <clears throat> wow. Let's go. Let's do it. My money's, my money's even on the guy wearing the Casey Musgrave shirt. <laughs> when it comes down to this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Murray State, fun game. I thought you were going to try to venture over there. What, you didn't want to make the drive? Dude, it's like a five and a half hour, six, six hour drive. I thought yeah, about going. That was a rough one. I really want to go see a game at Georgia. Yeah. And I can't seem to get there. And yeah. maybe Notre Dame in a few weeks, if it works out, but... I was thinking about going, but I wouldn't have got back well, till super late at night. We got all the Jags coverage on Sunday. Just didn't make a lot of sense. I was gonna go too, but then my wife reminded me that it, it's like our wedding anniversary. So tomorrow? We, yeah, well, we're celebrating it tomorrow. Oh, when is it? Like three months? It's like, from now? It's like Monday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, because I mean, you know, there's football and wrestling on, so we're not gonna go out to eat Monday. Sorry. So we're, we're doing it Saturday. Okay. Smart. Yeah. Good Smart. idea. Right, of Happy course. anniversary, man. Yeah, thank you, man. What year is this? Uh, this is year number two. Number two. Big number two. All right, you're making it. Seems like, hey, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> seems like two years. It seems like two years. I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I seems like a time there. and a half. Yeah. I helped you out there. Seems like a time and a half. A little more college football. <laughs> and also, we get back to the NFL next on ESPN 690. Uh, last year doesn't matter, so please don't ask me about last year. It was a totally different team. Um... Yeah, it's the first game of the season. We're going to be excited whoever we play. Uh, I wouldn't say it's extra fuel to the fire or anything that is them, but they are opponent right now, so we're looking forward to the, uh, to the matchup. And Jalen Ramsey's not getting caught up in any of that, right? Uh, <laughs> he learned his lesson. How good of a year is Jalen Ramsey going to have? Uh, just normal? I mean, a lot of people think he, again, this goes hand-in-hand hand with winning. Mm. 2017, he was awesome, and he was. 2018, the mantra crept in that well, Jalen's not playing as well. Jalen's not playing. I think he had some moments that either he freelanced or 
blew an assignment or whatever it might be. And it's always up for debate. See, I, I really I, I always get careful with the, the secondary guys because you never know whose assignment it is. Mm-hmm. I, I, I say this all the time. We are still trying to figure out whose fault it was for the Patriots converting third and 18 in the AFC championship <laughs> game. You can ask five different people and get five different answers. Yeah. So that's my point. Mm-hmm. Now, my other point here is Jalen Ramsey was freaking good last year. And whether you want to say he was a little bit worse than he was in 17, I think it has to do with the team winning and losing more than it has to do with Ramsey's play. I think there's that, but also, and I've said it a couple times on this show, Brian, I think he was hurt a little bit last year. No, I'm not saying through it sometimes. I'm not saying it was a serious injury, but there was something evident where when I was watching him in 2017 compared to 2018, he just didn't look as confident, you know, pressing or playing that cover three back. So um, I think he was dealing with some kind of injuries. I think he's dealing with more than he was letting people be known to him. So, I mean, when you ask, like, how good of a season Jalen Ramsey's going to have, well, what is your definition of a good season? Because if he's having a great season, they're not going to throw the ball at him at all. You know? So it's hard to get the interceptions. Um, it's, it's hard to make all those big plays because if they're not throwing the ball towards you, to me, that's the ultimate sign of respect. You know? So I think if, if Jalen Ramsey's holding his receivers to maybe, you know, three or four catches a game for under 100 yards – I think it's a pretty good, damn good season. Well, I think I think you're right in that respect. I think it's hard to say a guy with six interceptions, five interceptions. I think the players know and people know, and, and the respect factor is is there. Is is there a more respected player from a talent standpoint on the Jaguars defense than Jalen Ramsey? No, no. Now I think see I think people game plan around guys like Calais Campbell. Yannick Ngakwe, I think they'll have to start looking at Josh Allen, and I think they game plan around Jalen Ramsey. But I don't think it's as talked about like maybe with Calais Campbell. I think people try to run things around Calais Campbell because they know he's dominant in the run game, and he can be great in the pass game, and he opens a lot of things up. But I think I would agree with you in saying people make a concerted effort to either run different things to get a guy open and get away from Jalen Ramsey – or they just completely stay just away throw from it. To him. And it's noticeable. And yeah. it's so noticeable that if you see that in week one and week two and week three and everybody's doing it, well, then you know Jalen Ramsey's playing damn good football. And I think that's my expectation. I also would say, look out. If I'm Tyreek Hill, I think he's in for a long day because there's always talk about Tyreek Hill. He just signed the extension, how fast he is, blah, 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 all this stuff. Well, you know what Jalen Ramsey's doing? He's taking notes. And what Jalen Ramsey doesn't get credit for is not only being taking notes from a motivational standpoint, but he's literally taking notes. I always found that fascinating about Ramsey. told us uh, maybe a year ago, a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. that yeah, he takes notes on players, keeps them in his locker for that week, goals and what they might do, and he does his research. And yeah. I, I guess I never really thought of that position that way, yeah. but I get it, and it makes a lot of sense. Well, He's got notes from a game last year on Tyreek Hill, sure. which should help Ramsey in the opener in this game. And you know he's coming out firing. He's got a lot to prove. He, he always has that in his mind. I think Jalen Ramsey does one heck of a job on Sunday against Tyreek Hill. That doesn't mean they automatically win a football game, but I think he does one heck of a job on Tyreek Hill. Well, number one, assuming that he covers him a lot. You know, I'm, I'm still under the philosophy that Jalen Ramsey's not going to be on Tyreek yeah, Hill that, that much. Yeah. You know, so I mean, we'll have to see how that They're plays out. They're not backing out. down from the idea that he is. No, we'll have to see how that plays out. But I think, too, I mean, and listen, it's like I said, Brent, like the, 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 the whole padding the stats thing like with the interceptions, for instance, you know, 
his first year in the league, Marcus Peters had eight interceptions. Okay, and you look at that number, and you're like, wow, Marcus Peters is a Pro Bowler. He probably should have been All Pro that year. Um, he was Defensive Rookie of the Year. I get all that. But he was also getting beat a lot over the top, right? Like, Marcus Peters took a lot of risks. And that's kind of always been the M.O. on Marcus Peters. Is that, yeah, he gets the interceptions. You know why? Because he takes a lot of risks because teams throw at him. Because he can make the mistakes. With Jalen Ramsey, it's not like that. I think teams respect Jalen Ramsey so much where they're not going to try to throw it his way so much. Because if they do, well, you're going to make a mistake. Now, I think with what you saw last year a little bit. And I think the the way that the state of the NFL is going, Brent, is that, once again, it's an offensive-driven league. And I think sometimes, whether it's the quarterback or the offensive coordinator or the wide receiver, but ego gets in the way a little bit, right? Like, the the, the coordinator thinks, you know what, it doesn't matter who they have back out there. We have the the, the plays designed to beat Jalen Ramsey. So I'm not going to be surprised if you see, you know, take some shots against Jalen Ramsey this year just because the ego gets in the way a little bit. But if Jalen Ramsey's expected to play like he's supposed to play, I'm not too worried about that. It'll be interesting to see what he can do from a ball standpoint. You remember coming out of uh, college, the one hang-up on Jalen Ramsey, the flaw in his game was he didn't have the ball skills. That was mm-hmm. the mantra. He's like, yeah, but he didn't. I don't even think he had an interception in college. or Maybe it was one in college. But the, the bottom line is you couldn't find a knock against the kid, yeah. except that he the ball skills were questionable. Well, I think he, how about some of the interceptions he's had? Some of the yeah. highlight real interceptions that he's had. It does remind you a little bit of Deion Sanders. I just looked up because I wanted to see where Deion Sanders paced early in his career. His rookie season he had five interceptions, then three, then six for Atlanta. So through three years, he had 14 interceptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, best guy ever to do it, right? Yeah. Jalen had two interceptions, four interceptions, three interceptions. So he's got nine uh, in his career. So he's 14 versus 9. Do you mind looking up one more guy if you got a second? Uh, yeah, let me do it. Can you look up Darrell Because to me, like, yeah, Deion Sanders is you know probably the best to ever do it. But to me, Darrell Revis was the guy that started the whole island concept where it's like, you know what, we're going to put you over here. Not going to throw had, at you. He had this exact side of the field. So I'm curious to see what Darrell Revis had because obviously he garnered so much respect when he was in his prime. It's a good call. Okay, so 3, 5, and 6 in his first three years. So that's yeah. 14 too, much like yeah. Deion. Yeah. But... You bring up a good point because after that, he goes zero, four, one, two, two. He had a five on there and then a one and a zero toward the end of his career. And uh, one of those ones, by the way, he didn't play a lot of football games that year. But my point, that's a really good point. Mm -hmm. So people didn't throw at him. No. In his prime, they didn't throw at him. So therefore, you didn't have the opportunities. I get it. And I I think Jalen is a little bit more like that. I don't. I have no idea. Did they throw at Deion Sanders more? So did he have more opportunities? He might have. I, I don't know. Yeah. And I'm not looking up that stat. I don't even know if that stat exists. <laughs> sure. uh, it probably does, but yeah. I'm not looking it up. But it, it's 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 a good one to note. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Jalen will ever have like an eight interception year mm-hmm. because they're not coming after him that much. What I'd like to see, it would be nice, and it's already had highlight plays. I'd love to see a pick six here or there sure. for Jalen. Yeah, I think it would be good because he, he's got tremendous – when he gets the ball in his hands, mm-hmm. tremendous speed too Yeah, to be able to – break. you know, we already know that. I still believe the uh, – probably the underappreciated part of Jalen Ramsey, even though we all know it, is the physicality. Mm-hmm. It, you know, we know that's his game, right, is, is to press people at the line of scrimmage, jam them. And Tyreek Hill, maybe he gets in his shorts a little bit more this year mm-hmm. and not able to get by, you know, and not worried about him beating him deep, whatever it might be. I don't know. But that's what makes him so good. And that, to me, is different 
than mm-hmm. Deion Sanders. That's probably a little bit more Revis-like. Revis was a little more physical. Sure. Sanders was more flash. And maybe Sanders was physical. I didn't look at the game that way when I was watching Deion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't feel – I thought Deion was more finesse-style, yeah. athletic, all that stuff. Ball mm-hmm. skills were unbelievable. Yep. But I didn't think of him as a as a physical presence on the football field. Jalen's not afraid to go tackle a guy, throw a guy to the ground, his, and, and he shows off that strength at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. I think that's where the games are different. Well, and that's a great point, Brent, because, you know, even when we're comparing personalities, you're the guy that said, you know, when Jalen Ramsey showed up in the Brinks truck, that didn't seem like that was more of his character. You know, like that was more of a Dion thing, right? Like Dion, it was more of like the flashy, finesse kind of guy. And I think with Jalen Ramsey, yeah, he may get pegged as like, you know, the, the finesse, flashy kind of guy because the position that he plays. And because he but, talks. Because and he talks headlines. too, exactly. But if you actually watch him play the game of football, I think the guy lives to jam. You know, like he, he lives to be face-to-face to wide receiver and say, guess what? I'm right on you. What are you going to do about it? And that takes a special kind of mentality. You know, like Richard Sherman had it. Joel Rivas had it. There's not a lot of guys in the game Brent, that have that kind of, I guess, you know, that kind of dog in them. That that embrace the the man-to-man coverage where you're right in front of the receiver and you jam them because not everyone's built like that. Now, yes, Jalen Ramsey has the long arms, and that helps out a lot. You keep in mind. But there's not too many corners out there that could go toe-to-toe with A.J. Green and, you know, make A.J. Green so mad. And I understand. Like, A.J. Green went after Jalen Ramsey, slammed him on the ground because Jalen Ramsey might have said something. But I think if you rewatch that whole game and you rewatch the whole Steve Smith game, it has more to do with them getting jammed over and over and over again, and it's the physical part about it more than it is about Jalen Ramsey talking to them. Someday we'll make a cut-up of Jalen Ramsey's opponents and who he went against, and he's yeah. always going against the top guy for the most part. Mm-hmm. And what's fascinating to me is he'll go against a Tyreek Hill, a Steve Smith, an A.J. Green, and he'll then go against a DeAndre Hopkins. Those are different kind of dudes. Those are not the same build, not the no. same quickness, yeah. not the same physicality. They're all different, mm-hmm. and he can handle them all. And Tyreek Hill's probably one of the biggest challenges. I think he said the, the Godwin Goodwin uh, on San Francisco. Yeah. Guy was fast. Like, I remember his eyes light oh, up where yeah. he said, that I guy's mean, fast. Guy you was know? the Olympics to go be a sprinter. Yeah. yeah. And so he's – but he can hang with them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, again, we saw it in the Miami game, and some people thought he was baiting – the receiver on that play where he sure, closing sure. speed. Yeah, when he, yeah. It was like, wow, he got beat. No, close. The closing speed on Jalen, to me, is a, another one of those attributes. It's like, wow, man, that's impressive. When that jumps off the TV at yeah. you, right, yeah. or it jumps off the field at you, like, wow, that looks different. In a league where everybody kind of is looks the same because they're all fast and yeah. they're all athletic, Yeah, guy has a different gear. And it uh, it, it's it's pretty special. By the way, this love fest with Jalen Ramsey has very little That's to do with being blocked on Twitter. It's on Twitter. I'm unblocked. There I don't need are. to do this anymore. For now. We'll see. Long season ahead of us here, Brent. Uh, one other note on Jalen Ramsey. And uh, maybe we'll play it coming back in from the next break because I want to get you, you have a little bit of a teaser on it. I like that. But I'm telling you, I've been doing this pretty long time on mm-hmm. the TV side. This is one of the more fun stories we've done. It's just different. Uh, I'm not going to say it's the best story I've ever done on TV because I don't really do a whole heck of a lot. But I thought this was really fun. Jalen Ramsey, A.J. Boye, hanging out with two of the best corners in high school football, and they're from Jacksonville, from Trinity Christian. You can see the conversation, the pro tips, the fun those guys had together after Jags practice recently. Tonight, 8 o'clock on CBS 47, our Jaguars preview special. And uh, it's a lot of fun. Just a little different look at Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye. And I don't want to leave Boye out of this because he doesn't get any attention, and he deserves some.
He's a really good football player. But I think even in this piece tonight that we'll show you, you'll see the relationship with A.J. and Jalen and how much they push each other and how much more they've done even this season to try to take it up another notch. Uh, really fun stuff coming up tonight on the TV side, CBS 47 at 8 o'clock. Before we head to break, it's 5 o'clock on a Friday, man. Ooh, that's a good time. And a football weekend to boot when it gets real on Sunday here in Jacksonville. How about a little happy hour horn time from Vita de Louis? Get a shot, tip your star tenders, because football is officially back. Brent and I love it. Ah, Vita Delui recently got a 94 rating. You'll love that, too. Locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville, made in tequila, Mexico, shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita Delui tequila, one of the smoothest tequilas you'll ever taste. For locations, recipes, and merchandise, visit VitaDelui.com. Leave your troubles ashore. Drink responsibly. Have a good weekend. Have a lot of fun. Party hard. But, of course, uh, be safe all weekend long. When we come back, more football talk. I want to take you around college football. Florida, Florida State, UCF, Georgia, Miami. I think Miami has a big game that needs to be talked about a little bit. You can't go to 0-2 in college football. 0-2 feels like 0-8 in the NFL. Yeah. Especially if you're a big-time program. Absolutely. It would be an awful start for Manny Diaz. Well, that, even though it's a tough start. Let's talk Florida State, too. Like, Listen, I understand Florida State Louisiana Monroe, but... Oof. East. I feel like I've said East like 10 times a day, but you know what? East if they lose against Louisiana Monroe. I think you said East when you got that text from your wife after talking about your anniversary. Hmm. Am I going to say anything else? Don't say anything else. <laughs> I don't learn. want another text message. Learn quickly. I do. All right, Adapt we're back on die. ESPN 690. You know, somebody in the trenches or in the D-line, they mess up a little bit, you know, it might not be noticed all the time. They're not going to see it. If, if we mess up, what, what that is, that's a, yeah, it's a touchdown or it's a big play, they're going to notice. It's the end of the world, right? Man, you can't never let your confidence waver at all. Me and A tell each other all the time, you know, be great. you the best in the game. I tell him all the time, you the best in the game. There's nobody better than AJ. He tell me the same thing. We feeding off each other. And then we, you know, that, that goes through the whole team. Ah, it's Jalen Ramsey, AJ Boye, hanging out with five-star Fred Davis, Four-star Miles Brooks from Trinity Christian. More of that story tonight, 8 o'clock on CBS 47 in our Jaguar season preview, plus my interview with Leonard Fournette, our story there. Uh, we have a, a special uh, musical element in the show, too. Uh, some might know of uh, a guy who has some musical prowess in our department or not. Uh, get your aspirin ready. Also, uh, Nick Foles. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about him and just about everything going on. It's kind of a mix of celebrating 25 seasons, a little past, and also what's to come against Kansas City here on Sunday. So uh, some Josh Allen talk, uh, Rasheen Mathis and Jeff Lagerman talk a little bit about these young safeties for the Jaguars. All coming up tonight at 8 o'clock on CBS 47. Set the DVR if you're going to be out and about. I don't want to hear it later on Twitter. Say, oh, where can I find that? 
shows like this are very hard to put on social media and also online because of some of the NFL video attached to it. So you'll have to set your DVR. It does replay tomorrow at 5 o'clock on CBS 47 as well. Uh, so you have two times to see it tonight at 8, tomorrow at 5 p.m. Uh, that's your warning. Okay? That's like your it. heads up. Noted. By the way, uh, so you were listening to that, Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye. They were great with these guys. Yeah. Uh, what would you tell a kid from Iola, Scandinavia? Yes. That's a good pass rusher about, say he's a five-star guy, right? Well, Or yeah. a three-star guy, That'd whatever. Super Just going to college, you know? I know, yeah. Uh, what would you tell him? About what? Just about like the his... next, about the next, like, Four, six, seven years about getting through the college, the college stuff. And I know sure. you played a, a smaller level of college. These guys were going to Clemson and Georgia Tech that, yeah. that Jalen and AJ, but yeah. AJ came up kind of through that. AJ was like a two star guy. AJ okay. was, goes to UCF. Mm-hmm. He was an undrafted free agent. And now he's hit a big contract here like in the it. NFL. Okay. So uh, he's got more of your kind let's, of story. So, yeah, let's say I'm in Iola, Wisconsin right now, home of the T-Birds. And I'm talking to a kid that we'll call him whatever, Brenna, three or four star. Say he's going to the University of Wisconsin. All right. Um, assuming that you said he's a defensive end, right? Yeah. Okay. So I would, you know, I would sit across from him and I'd be like, look, um, you're obviously a very skilled and talented individual. Or else the University of Wisconsin would not offer you. And the fact that you got a scholarship, you got a full ride to go play for the Badgers. You know, every kid's dream really in Wisconsin to go play for the Badgers. That's a great accomplishment, and you should be proud. And your family should be proud. But I'm going to say this. We'll, let's go ahead and call this kid 6'4", Brent. I'm going to be like, you know what? There, there's a lot of 6'4 kids that weigh 220 pounds in this country, more than you know. And the only thing that separates you from... The hundreds and hundreds of other six four kids that are two hundred something pounds that play defensive end is the work ethic, and how you approach the work ethic not only on the field but off the field is gonna predicate how much success you have in college, and that's where I would start. Yeah, it's a good starting point too because yeah. I think about this often. If you're a young player and say you're working your butt off, say you're a sophomore in high school, yeah, and you kind of get it. Some people get it right away. Hey, I gotta work. Mm-hmm. I know I gotta work. Now, some people. Like I was this way. Mm-hmm. Listen, I have a an okay amount of talent maybe in baseball, but it's just an okay amount. Yeah. If I want to be a little better, I got to work my butt off. Like yeah. I kind of understood that. I knew where I was. I, I could see that. I, I could see that out on the field. Sure. But the sooner you understand what work is and when that clicks, mm-hmm. and that varies for different people, man. Oh, because based on skill set, it, takes... it could be your junior year of high school. Yeah. It could be your senior year of college mm-hmm. because you can get away with it because you're better than people maybe mm-hmm. at that level. And it might even be two or three years into the NFL or whatever pro sport you're playing that you realize, man, I wasn't working at all nearly yeah. as hard as I thought I was working. Like when yeah. I got to college, I was like, man, I didn't know anything about hitting. Yeah. And then I learned about hitting. Uh, and I probably still didn't know enough about hitting, but I learned so much more in college. I was like, wow, there's more to this? I thought I knew everything about hitting. Well, you know? <laughs> and, and, and that's what makes a great coach, Brent, is the fact that they know which, bush, which buttons to push to kind of bring out your full potential. You know, when we had Coach Jay on the show, I mean, he brought the, the great example when he sat me in his offense, and he had this, this card. And basically, he wrote down everything I was doing wrong, and he said, this is where I ranked on the team as far as, like, production and what he thinks of me. And I was, like, the third-ranked defensive lineman on the team when I thought I was number Number one. So when he gave me that card, dude, I, I, I was pissed. I, I was absolutely irate. And I got that card laminated and I put it in my locker my junior year and I had a great junior year. And then when the season was done, I pointed to coach. I'm like, coach, 
look what's taken off my locker. You know, I mean, it, it, everyone takes something different. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, some so people you are tapped into the competitive side. Exactly. I mean. Some people are self motivated. Some people, um, you know, t- they, they need a little bit of somebody else. You know, and I, I think I'm kind of both cases, but. Yeah, so I needed Coach Jay to push me a little bit, but at the same time, I always had a chip on my shoulder. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like I, I went to Murray State pissed off because the Badgers wouldn't give me a chance. Barry Alvarez loved me. Barry Alvarez left the program. Brett Buma comes in. Buma thinks that I don't play against good competition and that I wouldn't make it playing for the Wisconsin Badgers. Wanted me to walk on. Wasn't going to do that. Couldn't afford it. So I, I go to Murray State. So I started out as having a chip on, uh, on my shoulder. It's hard to imagine the position that these kids get put in, Brent, when they are the five-star athlete, right? When, when when they're the cover of sporting news or pick your magazine or whatever like that. When all the when like when all the newspapers are asking for interviews, when they're on TV every single time as being touted as this five-star recruit, that's a different animal, you know. And it's not something I had to go through. It's not something a lot of kids from where I grew up and had to go through. So. I can't imagine, especially in the time of age now of social media and everything, what it's like to be a kid coming up through that kind of program. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and that's part of the reason why we wanted to get this thing together with Ramsey and Boye. Yeah. Is to show those guys, be like, to get here? Yes. It's a long road, man. And, and it's who, a totally different who better, Brent? You know, yeah. who better than some of the top corners at their spot in the NFL? Yeah, it's cool. It's, it's, awesome. uh, it's, it's There's a lot of lessons to be learned throughout the, the whole journey. Of it. All right, quick hitters on college football. UCF and Florida Atlantic. I'm telling you what, watch out, UCF. I'm, oh, you know me. I, okay. I know I'm, uh, I'm waving the flag. You're, you're, right? Yeah, you're, you're a night supporter. I mean, I, I think I, somebody should send me a shirt or a hat. Danny White should come on the show. Josh Heupel should come on the show, whatever. You, you, but you I'm a big UCF fan. Yeah. I'm just saying watch out. I was impressed with Florida Atlantic last week when I was in Ohio State, in Columbus, watching them against Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Awful start. But after that, pretty good football. From Florida Atlantic, and that game is on the road for UCF. Don't sleep on the Owls, seven o'clock uh, this weekend. And UCF's an eleven-point favorite. I, I would take the uh, Owls in that one, uh, not to win, but yeah. to at least cover that. Georgia Murray State. Yeah. Listen, obviously, it's a tough task for you, for your uh, <laughs> it racers. It, it is. Yeah. Uh, Georgia is so businesslike. Mm-hmm. I just think that's what it will look like. I don't think they're going to put a 70 to 10 thumping on them. Yeah. I think this will be like 45 to 10. This yeah. is what they do. Yep. They do that sometimes to SEC East opponents. Sure. Brent, you know, man, I, I'm a businessman, but family comes first. So give me Murray State with the points, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I don't even know that for some reason this game doesn't have points attached to it where I've seen one, it. One website that I saw, I want to say it was like 36, oh, if it? I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. So, uh, you know, I, you, I, you might have a chance yeah. with Murray State. There you go. On that yeah. one. All right. Uh, points. <laughs> Florida, UT Martin. Look, we already talked about. about it. Shouldn't be much of a problem, but you'd like to see the engine look smooth. Mm-hmm. especially on the offensive end. Take away the penalties that were an eyesore. Take away the turnovers that were an eyesore against Miami. And just again, if you're a good football team in these games, I think it shows out that you are businesslike in your approach. Yes. Doesn't, you don't have to win 72-3. to three. But you don't. don't play to level your competition yes. either. And it shows you where your team's at in sometimes these games from a mental standpoint. Mm-hmm. So I'd be interested in that from a Florida perspective. And they haven't always done well in these kind of games. They've yeah. slept walk in, in the past, not with Dan Mullen, but I'm talking about this decade uh, in games like this. And then Florida State, man. Here we go. Are we really concerned that Florida State is a 22-point favorite and might lose the game? They're not going to lose the game to Louisiana Monroe, are they? Well, it's supposed to be a hot game, Brent, and we know how Florida State has trouble, I guess, managing their hydration. The coaching, the you know, according to Coach Taggart here. Um, listen, if you're Florida State, 
you're supposed to beat Louisiana Monroe. Now, I sat here and said you're supposed to beat Boise State as well. It, it's that a little different. But it's a little different, okay? Um, listen, you guys got embarrassed. I'm talking to all the Seminole fans out there. You guys got embarrassed in your own house by a team that had a freshman quarterback um, that started off with a really rough start. And you wilted in, at your home stadium. So... If I'm very, if if I'm Florida State, not only do I, if I'm a Florida State fan, not only do I want to see uh, a dominant victory, but I want to go for for the throat, and I want it to be a blowout. Because if it's not, and if it's a close game, I'm nervous as a Florida State Seminole fan because it's like I talked about, Brent. It's not about what happens to you; it's about how you respond. Well, how do you respond to Boise State coming in your house and kicking your butts? How do you respond to that? We'll see. Willie Taggart showed once again last week he's not great at making halftime adjustments, in-game yeah. adjustments. They made no adjustments, it looked like at least. It didn't play out that way. Couldn't stop the run on defense either. Well, what kind of adjustments will we make from week one to week two where they said all week they figured it out, they saw some mistakes, they corrected their mistakes? What we see against a Louisiana Monroe, not Clemson, mm-hmm. Louisiana Monroe, did they fix some of the mistakes? Can they line up and play football like some Pop Warner teams do? Yeah. I mean th- – yeah, you said it, Brent. All I'm looking for, I'm looking for attitude. I'm, I'm looking for a pissed off Florida State Seminole team to come out and win a ball game. That's all I'm looking for. And if they come out flat, and if they come out uninspired, if they're like, oh, it's Louisiana, it's Louisiana Monroe. I'll be honest, I don't even know where that is. And if they come out and just act like, yeah, we got it taken care of, that falls directly on coaching. It's the coach's job to get the team ready for this game. And the spread says you should kill them. Okay, everybody says you should beat them. So go out there and do it. Simple as that. I believe it's in a place called Ruston, Louisiana. Ruston, Louisiana. I'm pretty okay. sure. I'll have to look that up, but I'm pretty sure. The Eagles? I don't know what their mascot is. I don't know. That Ooh. I don't know. Interesting. And I should know that. They weren't too far from Alexander, my first place of uh, employment okay. here in the business. I'll look and it up last real thought, quick. Miami and UNC. This yeah. is a fun game. Uh, a good game because Mac Brown and UNC just pulled off a win last week against South Carolina. Miami needs this one, though. Like mm-hmm. I said before the break, you can't go 0-2 in college football. Yeah. And Manny Diaz, I thought they had a lot of little wins in that game against Florida. Small victories. Yeah. But it comes out on the scoreboard at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think they need to win this game because they should be better than UNC. This isn't – it shouldn't be close. Yeah. Uh, see, you say it shouldn't be close. Well, I'm but not saying it thing. shouldn't be close. It's on the road. So Yeah. They, is that on the road? No, it's no, it's at home. No, it's it's on the road at Chapel Hill. If yeah, I'm it's not Chapel Hill. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. why it's only like a four and a half point spread. Sure. I still don't prime think it should be close. Ga- prime time game, late night game, it's supposed to be sold out there. And Brent, I'm I'm a Mac Brown guy. I always have been. I'm a big fan of what he brings to uh, to college football. I think UNC's got a great quarterback in Sam Howell. When they finally turn the reins loose and let him throw the ball in the second half of South Carolina, which I watched actually last week a little bit. Now I'm glad I did. Um, you know, he was a different quarterback. And I think what it comes down to is where Miami was the most exposed against the Florida Gators was their offensive line. And UNC's got a pretty good defensive line. They like to blitz the quarterback a lot. And you have a young quarterback for Miami. I get what you're saying where this is Miami's game to win, but I'm just saying, not saying UNC's going to win, but I think it's going to be a closer game. North Carolina shouldn't score over 13 points against this defense. That defense is good. It's for real. And now Miami's offense just has to do the job. It's a five-and-a-half-point line. I like Miami to win this one pretty comfortably, uh, to be honest, even with you, on the road after the big win for Mac Brown and the Tar Heels. By the way, it's the Louisiana Monroe Warhawks. Warhawks. So there you go. Didn't know that one. Yeah. Hey, when we come back, 
Battle being done on the field on Sunday here in Jacksonville. Chiefs and Jags, we get back to that one before we end the week. Here on a Friday, less than 48 hours away from the season kicking off in the NFL in the River City. It's coming up next on ESPN 690. Because I'm not the average Joe. I want to be the best, and you got to go up against the, the top guys on other teams all the time. That's uh, that's my role on this team is to take away the top receiver week in and week out. So uh, I just go out there and do my job. That usually does it pretty well. That's Jalen Ramsey talking this week about uh, playing the game's best. Usually that number one wide receiver, you better be on point, man, because uh, you get the, their best guy. Uh, most weeks, and I love it. I don't want to be an average Joe. There's got to be a hunger that you dig deep for when you're already pretty good, and you know that guy's got it. You know, you can tell that part. That That's unwavering. That's uh, unquestioned when it comes to Jalen Ramsey. Uh, now just how good is he? How good can he become? Can he be one of the greats uh, of all time? I think he's trending that way. I said it early on, man. This is There's very few guys that have walked through here in my 12 years in Jacksonville mm-hmm. that you say right off the rip in the first couple of weeks of a season, first month of a season, and you say, you know what? This guy could have a Canton, Ohio kind of career. And uh, Jalen Ramsey has been that guy. And he's he's been a big hit so far because of that. And he will prove a lot of people right if he stays healthy because he is headed in that direction. And the accolades have already started to pour in. You know, he's got a brand for himself. He's got a Pro Bowl or two now. He's got an all-pro status, and he's widely considered, if not the best, one of the best. We'll call him the best around here, but he's widely considered across the NFL as one of the best in the game. Yeah, without a doubt, you know, and this is a, a fact of can he build off his 2017 campaigns like we talked about, I think, in 2018. I thought he had some injuries that he wasn't really letting on. And can he build off it and, you know, become that all-pro type of player again? And he will definitely be tested week one against uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I'm under the philosophy that I don't see him shadowing Tyreek Hill a lot during this game, like, you know, Coach Marone has come out and said. But regardless of of who he's on, he's gonna have to, you know, he's got to bring his hard hat and his lunch pail because it's gonna be a long day because the Chiefs have so many weapons. So whether you know somehow he's on Travis Kelsey, he's on Sammy Watkins, um, he's on Tyree Kill. I mean, all those guys are pretty bona fide receivers. So when you have a guy like Jalen Ramsey, where you can just say, you know what, go take him, and we'll take care of the other side of the field. That's the luxury, Brent, that a lot of teams don't have, and that's why I think it's so adamant. And listen, we. we, we I understand that we joke about a lot with like the, the players' Instagram posts and things like that, but I thought you know Jalen Ramsey said something interesting where he was like they, they probably can't keep all of us when he was talking about Miles Jack uh, getting his contract and he was referring to all of us meaning Yannick Ngakwe mm-hmm. and then himself Jalen Ramsey and I just that's just a guy that you don't want to see leave the franchise and Jalen Ramsey. You, you just don't want to see it. The, the, one of the reasons, and this is what's a little different with Yannick Ngakwe, by the way, different than Miles Jack, probably different than any other player on the team. Mm-hmm. Maybe any other player we've ever seen wear a Jaguars uniform with Ramsey is the branding. Mm-hmm. The branding, in most of the way, is a positive way. Yeah, yeah, make a headline for saying something, all that. But that's not bad press all the time. You know yeah. what I mean? I would and compare so, him to maybe a Maurice Jones-Drew, but I, th- I think he has surpassed Maurice Jones-Drew. I think he has, too. I mean, yeah. we had Maurice on, and I told him that. I said, mm-hmm. yeah, I think Maurice was big from a fantasy football realm. I think from a uh, trash-talking, productivity, headline-grabbing Jalen Ramsey, if this team is good, especially, mm-hmm. if they can win some in his career – 
oh my gosh, it's going to be off the charts. He will be far and away the 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 biggest brand this franchise has ever seen from an individual player. Far and away, it won't even be close if they can win some football games and win and maybe even eventually in his career in Jacksonville win big. But so from that standpoint, he can say, I don't know if they can afford us all. They can't, Jalen. They can't because they just gave Miles an extension and it's reasonable. They can franchise Yannick Ngakwe if they want to. And they will throw the Brinks truck at Jalen Ramsey, I believe. I think they should. I think they will. And I think it's bigger than just his play on the field. I think it goes beyond that. And I think they're smart enough to know that. He yeah. is a well, brand and helps by wearing that Jaguars logo be the brand. And it's like you said, increasing your brand, increasing your name, increasing who sees you, Brent, it's all predicated at wins at the end of the day. Take, for example, Richard Sherman. Now, I think you know Richard Sherman's starting to come maybe towards the end of his career a yeah. little bit. But if I go ask the casual fan right now on the street, I go up to him, I ask 10 people, hey, who's Sherman playing for right now? I bet maybe five of them, if even that, can tell me who he's playing True. for. And this is a guy that didn't sit out last year, Brent. He played in, uh, in 14 games last year, yeah. San Francisco 49ers. But they weren't winning. Um, you know, i got to be honest with you. The one time in this offseason, I think Sherman came up and I said, is he still playing for San Francisco? There you go. You and, and that's exactly the point, Brent. Why I'm supposed to know what I'm talking about. Not that I do, but I'm supposed to. <laughs> but why is it, Brent? It's because San Fran wasn't winning last year. And then that's what it comes down to. It doesn't matter how much talent you have. Even like Saquon Barkley. Listen, I get the, the hype trains on Saquon Barkley right now. The guy can do amazing things. But I truly believe, even in that big market in New York, if the Giants don't win a lot of football games, I think he's just going to go underneath the rug a little bit until they start winning. I really do. Because Good. I mean, plays yeah. a high-profile spot well, in the sure. big market. But, but the, the corner is a high-profile. I mean, listen, there was a time when Richard Sherman was probably the biggest guy on defense in the entire NFL when he True. played for the Seahawks, and Fair the enough. Seahawks were winning the games. Now he's in San Francisco, man. He's kind of an afterthought. Yeah, it just it does come with you have to win. You have to you know, win. That's the knock right now. That's why Tony Baselli's not in the Hall of Fame. They didn't win enough, probably, even in the grand scheme of things, even though early on they won a lot. Mm-hmm. Fred Taylor, same thing. Didn't make enough Pro Bowls because they weren't winning at the time. And so some of these great players that we've had in franchise history didn't get their due because they weren't winning. Now, Jalen Ramsey's getting his due. It helped that they won big in 2017. Mm-hmm. It helps that we're in a day and age where you can brand yourself more than ever before, it feels like. But you still have to win. And so to help some of these guys get the notoriety, even a Calais Campbell, if Calais puts together another big year with Jacksonville and they can win on top of that, and he now has two winning seasons and he's brought Jacksonville to a place they haven't been very, very often in their franchise history, well, that will go on his resume, I think, maybe even unwritten, but it will go on his resume to get him more accolades to potentially get into Canton, Ohio himself someday. Now, he's going to need a big couple more years. Yeah. Uh, another one to start this year, yeah. but he could get in that conversation. But he's not going to if the Jags are six and ten, and he still has all that production. They need to be ten and six in the postseason. He needs to be all over ESPN, NFL Network, yeah. and in the postseason playing in January to get all the attention on him. And it's like you talk about quarterbacks all the time, Brent. Like what defines a good quarterback? It's the wins and losses. If if you're not winning football games, there's no Hall of Fame for you. There's there's no Pro Bowl for you. Well, I think the same can kind of be said. And I get it. The the, the, the quarterback, it's a double standard, right? It's the high profile position. But I'm just saying, from you know, if if, if you look at it at a global scale here, you know, if you look at it at a bigger scale, you see that even if if you're playing that corner spot, whatever spot you're playing, if you're not winning games, you don't get the you don't get the the write ups in the newspaper and the magazines, and you don't get the notoriety and and that's what nfl players 
crave so much, especially nowadays. All right, we got about 10 minutes to go. I want some quick hitters on what we've talked about in case people are just sure. jumping in in the yeah. 5 o'clock hour before we head into a weekend where there's a football game in Jacksonville. Oh, Chiefs yeah. and Jags Sunday at 1. By the way, all our coverage starts at 1130 on the TV side. Countdown to kickoff. We'll have a post-game show and then Action Sports Jacks primetime, 1030 on Fox 30, 1130 on CBS 47 at night. We got Jags all day long on the TV side, and we can't wait to talk about it. Hopefully a win on Monday here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 from 3 to 6. But big news is Cam Robinson's not going to play in the football game. They yeah. already have Cedric Abwehi, their backup swing guy, out of this game with a hamstring injury. Before a snap is taken for real in the season, they are on their third string left tackle. How big a deal is it? It's a huge deal. You're talking about a left tackle in Will Richardson who has never played that position since in high school. And you're talking about a guy who's only had about two days to prepare now to play left tackle. Um, I understand. You play offensive line, you think every position's the same. It is not. He's been practicing the guard the entire training camp. Now you're asking the guy to go play tackle, different footwork, different hand placement, just an overall different kind of pass set, and you're asking him to play the position opposite of what he's used to playing. Uh, if I'm the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm watching this and I'm feasting on that. Whether it's, you know, like a pass rusher like Frank Clark or Chris Jones, who I think can play some defensive end as well. And Chris Jones had 16, I think he had 15.5 sacks last year from a three technique and a three four defense. For all you casual football fans out there, spoiler alert, that's pretty good. Okay, so if, if I'm the Chiefs, I'm overloading that left side uh, until Will Richardson proves me wrong. If you were playing against the Jags this week and you heard this news today, as a defensive end, how much you're licking your chops? Absolutely. If if I'm Frank Clark, um, you know, and assuming that uh, the defensive coordinator there kind of gives me the run of the mill on third down, I'm going put me on the left side. I'm rushing that side all day and until he can stop me, which I'm sure he can't. All right, that's uh, how confident so I am. That's the big news coming out of the Jaguars today. Is that from the injury report? Quincy Williams, your guy from Murray State, yeah. he's going to get the start. It looks like he's going to play in this game. Is he ready for the big time? I think that's a fair question. Hasn't played a lot uh, because of the injury in, in preseason. Listen, I'm, I'm always going to have my Murray State guys back. Right, so I'm expecting a big game out of him. I'm not worried about the physicality, Brent. I'm not worried about him making the plays, whether it's in the run game or whatever it is, side to sideline. But I am a little worried about the fact that Andy Reid loves to, you know, expose the new guys. So I, I can see Quincy Williams kind of getting game plan on a little bit, where they send a, like a running back in the backfield to Quincy Williams. And the biggest thing is, can Quincy Williams adjust to the game speed coming from Murray State now to Jacksonville? Can he pick up his man? Can he cover him and stop those pass plays from happening? Yeah, build a test for it's the big, young guy. Yeah, big and, test and, for Quincy Williams and, and the young safeties in this game. And trust me, I, I guarantee right now Andy Reid's looking at Quincy Williams. He has him circled. He's going to be like, alright, what can we do to get a running back, a fullback, or even a tight end, whoever it is, one-on-one with Quincy Williams. Can Quincy Williams stop us? Let's find out. It'll be something if he plays well. If he doesn't play well, yeah. he gets exposed, people are going to start scratching their heads say, oh no, Telvin not being here is a really big problem. From a linebacker perspective, Brent, it's probably one of the worst teams to play against yeah. as a rookie is the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, it's a tough, tough. Like I said, the young safeties in Williams, it yes. like, could be a learning experience for them. doesn't mm-hmm. mean they stink. No. It's just a really tough matchup. It's a tough matchup with a tough mastermind at the helm and Andy Reid. Coos, uh, what do we have on the uh, feeds about the tight end spot? I think we had a question. Yeah, they were asking uh, how concerned you were about them not having a, and they used the word, legit tight end. Yeah, I think it's a big concern, I think that's where I was going to go. Josh Oliver's out of this game. He's been ruled out of this game. Uh, by the way, one other injury report guy, Marcel Darius, is questionable uh, with that elbow. He's been missing some time, so we'll see what happens. Obviously, the Jags would like to have him on Sunday. But 
uh, to the tight ends. No Josh Oliver. I love Flip and I love Foles when it comes to the tight end. I love what they've been able to do through the course of their career. I just don't know if they have the goods here in Jacksonville to be able to utilize it as much as they would like to. Yeah, you know, I mean, if you look at John Filippo's offense, and I don't take into account the Vikings because he got fired from Minnesota for not running the ball enough, but traditionally he loves to throw to a couple guys. He loves to throw uh, to the tight end, which I don't see the Jaguars have. Now, Brent, you're high on O'Shaughnessy. I think he can be serviceable, but whether he, I don't, I don't see the guy getting ten targets a game. I'll be honest with you there. No, but I wouldn't be you surprised know. if he comes out of this game and he's got a handful of catches. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and, f- and that fair would enough. be. Well, I'm not what, saying he's going to the they need, But that's what they need <laughs> I mean, to be successful. Um, but but I think in this game you're going to see the slot, and I think that's going to be D.D. Westbrook. You, you're going to see the slot being used a lot because they are vulnerable on that Kansas City defense from the slot position. Uh, whoever the corner is going to be there, I, I believe it's Fuller. Uh, Fuller has been vulnerable from the slot position, so you expose that for sure. And then also Leonard Fournette in the passing game as well. Um, what a better way to kind of ingrain Nick Foles into the offense, into a new environment, than getting the ball to Fournette a little bit. Easy passes. Don't make a lot of mistakes when you throw on the running back, so get him involved as well in the pass game. All right, quick rapid fire. We've got a follow-up on the tight ends? Yeah, they. well, it was kind of a follow-up in saying, do you think not having a dominant wide receiver magnifies the tight end problem? That's a good call there. I think it could, uh, definitely. I, I think they just need more proven commodities in their tight end room regardless. Sure. They really don't. Yeah. Now, there might be some pleasant surprises. Again, look at... Steve Filippo's record with tight ends, guys have had great years. Mm-hmm. So maybe somebody's about to emerge. And just because Oliver misses game one doesn't mean he won't emerge. But I think it's a good point. If you had a dominant number one, they don't have that. They could have a breakout number one guy in their mind, and that could be D.D. Westbrook. Yeah, you know, like when I'm looking back on the Eagles, though, I mean, Alshon Jeffrey was hurt a lot. They had... Obviously, they had Ertz of the dominant tight end, but then they had like guys like Nelson Aguilar, and they had other guys who, you know, I think on most teams wouldn't be the one wide receiver. You know, yeah. they're more like the twos and threes. And they we, just had multiple tight ends. Exactly. And we look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, yeah, they don't have the dominant tight end right now, but I think they have the intriguing receivers. You know, they have an intriguing guy in Chris Conley who has kind of been underutilized a little bit in Kansas City, now gets a chance to shine, um, you know, in Jacksonville. And obviously, the talk of preseason, D.D. Westbrook, probably the best receiver showing from him, catching the only touch down uh, for the one. So I think D.D. Westbrook, especially in that slot, obviously every fantasy football analyst is high on him as well. And then D.J. Chark, uh, another guy who we talked about in training camp, Brent, who's shown us a lot. I think probably had the best training camp out of any wide receiver, but hasn't shown in the preseason. Can he put it together now? And a guy you like a lot, too, uh, Keelan Cole. You yeah. know, Keelan Cole's a guy. He has he the wheels. He can make plays. Can he, he be can consistent? Make plays. He can make plays. Can he be consistent? But he definitely has the speed for it. All right. Uh, hey, real quick. Ballin and Fallen. Fallen's yeah. Antonio Brown and Mike Mayock. Let's just stop there, right? <laughs> I mean, sure. it's really Mike Mayock this time yeah. because they didn't suspend Antonio Brown. We've talked about it enough in the last couple of days. I think it's ridiculous they didn't suspend him given what was reported. Now, you never really know the whole truth, but I'm a little shocked. It looks like Brown's going to play Monday night, but we'll be back here on Monday and there could be another turn of this story. Uh, so, Ballin, real quick, is going to Lisa Leslie of the Los Angeles Sparks. Uh, she is set to receive a statue that will be placed outside the Staples Center. It'll, cool. it'll be between Shaq and Magic Johnson. She's a three-time MVP, eight-time All-Star, and two-time WNBA champ. How about this? My ball and Brian Moran. Ten years he waited to get to his Major League debut. Did you see what happened? I did. He faced his brother, Colin, and struck him out. How cool is that? To be able to make your debut, face your brother in the big leagues. It was the the Marlins and the Pirates. 
and he strikes him out, that, and the look between the two of them was yeah. fantastic. That's going to come up every holiday. Oh, yeah. You know what's funny? I think I think it was his dad. I'm assuming it yeah. was his dad, but he was dying laughing in the stands. <laughs> like, they all had the phones out, and he was really yeah. laughing. You got another question real quick we'll, we'll try they, to get to? They asked uh, if Cam is a bust because of the injuries, due to injury. That's too early. Too early on that. Yeah. I, I don't. Absolutely. Now, listen, we don't know how long he'll be out. I think it will be a bunch of speculation to see how long he'll be out with this latest injury. It's not related to the ACL. Uh, we might get to that conversation at some point. He's a second-round pick where a lot of people thought he got a lot of value for mm-hmm. Cam Robinson in the second round, much like Jawan Taylor this year in the second round. So let's hold the phone a little bit on talking about a bus. Let's see if he can get healthy and get on the field, though. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to hold the phone on Cam and also Taven Bryan as well. I mean, listen, depending what happens to Darius here, you might see a lot of Taven Bryan on Sunday. And, sure. I, and I know that's to the, the chagrin of a lot of Jaguars fans out there. But keep in mind, he did play out of position last year a lot, playing that, that big end technique when he's more used to playing the three. If Darius does not go... At least Taven will be at home playing that three technique. But once again, I kind of brought up the point last week. I think the fact that Taven Bryan played so much in the preseason, especially preseason game number four, I think that's positive for Darius and the fact that Darius is probably going to play. I think someday. he'll give it a go. Stay in your yeah. lane. What you got? Uh, real quick, yeah. So we got Khabib Nagamenov versus Dustin Poirier. UFC 242 is cruise control. Uh, oh, yeah. There we go. Thank you, Kuz. We're going to get to the point where you don't interrupt him with that. Like, it doesn't bother him. I know. I know where it gets to that point. I, I will always be bothered <laughs> because I'm focused on one thing and one thing only, and distractions just throw me off big time. But, uh, Brent, this is taking place in Abu Dhabi, so it's going to be an early start time for the pay-per-view, 2 p.m. Not going to lie, this is not a great card, but the main event is very intriguing. Dustin Poirier has made a name for himself since 2014 when he made a name for himself the wrong way. He took on a young fighter by the name of Conor McGregor in England, I'm, I'm sorry, in Ireland, and got got knocked out. Ever since then, Poirier has been on the rise a little bit. He's taken on Khabib, who is 27-0, never been beat, has only lost one round in his entire MMA career. Wow. Uh, Khabib's obviously the ground guy. He's a great wrestler. He's been wrestling bears since he was three years old. Not even exaggerating. His dad had him wrestling bears when he was three years old. Look it up. YouTube it. Not joking. Dustin Poirier, you know, he's kind of like that blue-collar kind of guy. He's good everywhere. A great striker. Good gas tank. The thing to watch between this fight, obviously Khabib's the big, big favorite here, is if Khabib can put Dustin Poirier away in the first three rounds. Because if not, Dustin Poirier's gas tank's going to show a little bit, and I wouldn't be surprised if Poirier pulls a big upset against Khabib. Pump your brakes. Oh, man, this is hard to do so fast. All right, so last night, Drew Brees, uh, there was a commercial with Drew Brees, and he was encouraging every kid to take your Bible to school day. Now, I'm not saying pump your brakes on that. I think that's great. You know, I'm not the, I'm not the biggest religion kind of guy, but I think religion is great for kids, especially if it's not forced on them, because it teaches you to be a good person. So I'm all for that. Well, unfortunately, the commercial was paid for by a group called the Focus on Your Family Organization. This organization, unfortunately, has been lobbying against anti-gay messages for the past couple years. Drew Brees came out and addressed the situation, obviously apologized and said he doesn't fall on the side of the anti-gay messages. But at the same time, if you're an NFL player, you have to know what you're signing up yeah. for and the companies that you're trying to represent. Especially these days. Represent. You exactly. got to Google, you got to run deep you, on you, it. You have to do your research, man. All right. Really do. Hey, Jags and Chiefs will be there on Sunday all day long. Check out the coverage on CBS 47 and Fox 30. That includes tonight, 8 o'clock. We've got a one-hour special. And then our game of the week tomorrow, Bartram Creekside, 6 o'clock right here on ESPN 690. Have a great weekend, everybody. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.